How's it going on this great Wednesday afternoon? My name is Hayden Joyner, and this is Off the Bench, your top sports talk show here on XLR, Land University Radio. I am joined by my co-host, Liam Worley, as always. Liam, how are you doing? I am good, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Chris is going to join us in a second. He was stopped by a train uh, on the way here, so uh, he's running a tad late, but we'll we'll catch him up when he gets here. And uh, Liam, it's episode 99 of Off the Bench. We have one more episode to our long, long sought-after goal of 100 total episodes. I think... If I'm not mistaken, which I'm 90%, 99% sure I'm not, we would be the first show to ever on XLR Lander Radio to hit 100 episodes. Because, I mean, it's taken since our freshman year when me and Jameson were the co-hosts. Yeah, y'all start. I remember months. y'all were talking about it like the first week of school. Yeah. You we're know, like, we're I lived, 100. I, yeah, I lived across the hall from you, and, you know, I had Jameson in a class, and, you know, we, of course we talk about sports because that's what we do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's not, not something uh, – I would have thought that would have happened, and especially envisioned for yeah. myself since I wasn't, you know, with the original you launch. Part of it, but yeah. uh, you know, man, it's it's something that I've been looking forward to for about sixty episodes now. <laughs> so uh, it's definitely been a real cool thing to be a part of. Yeah. So ninety nine now we'll have a normal episode this week today, and the next week we're gonna have probably some fun stuff. I'm sure all three of us, you, me, and Chris, will we'll wear some jerseys here, play some games, maybe do some you know trivia, grid trivia with NFL. Yeah. Some other fun stuff. I know we've we've rumored like a golf trivia or something before so oh boy maybe we'll throw that in there Who oh knows? boy maybe an off the bench specific trivia i don't know I that don't would know what, be interesting what we can come up with but yeah it's so crazy because y- you think when when i st- when i started the show back in 2019 in august you, you have four years of college ahead of you and in my head i'm like i want to hit 100 episodes and that doesn't seem so unobtainable because 100 episodes in four years that's like nothing you yeah know, there's a 50 weeks in a year anyway yeah but when you factor in school breaks and summer breaks and you know missing a show a, a, on a certain week you know, it really limits your amount of weeks you can get there. And the fact of the matter is for off the bench to even be in the position to hit 100 episodes, I've pretty much done a show every week since my freshman year. I've only missed like weeks that weren't on vacation or weren't for a school break. I've missed maybe two or three just because mm-hmm. of work. But other than that, it's been an every week thing. Yeah. And the grind's never stopped. You know how it is. I mean, we've been making graphics. We've been making vid- We used to do video every week. Like it was just ridiculous. And the fact that we've even gotten to the point where we can hit 100 episodes you know, we can just claim that to our name, be the first show ever to hit that. And, uh, I mean, maybe the only show, cause I mean, that, that, there's going to take another, yeah, another well, person to come to the station and put the dedication in. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work just warning people listening out there who might want to do the same thing. It's a lot of work, but I'm sure anybody else can do it. But. Yeah. I mean, it's been an absolute hoot and I mean, you know, cheers to you for, you're the one who's putting yeah. in all the work behind the scenes. Me and Chris just come here and, you know, freaking cut the fat with you. It's, <laughs> you know, we, we get the easy part. You get to do, uh, you know, all the social media stuff, uploading, you know, mm-hmm. you were doing editing videos and stuff, which we appreciate greatly. But, yeah, man, what a ride. Hopefully we, uh, do. you know, we need to do a few every year, you yeah. know, just just for fun. Oh, yeah, I already planned after, yeah. after school. We got to get just get together at least once a month or so and just yeah. talk about all the crazy stuff yeah. that goes on in sports. I mean, there's so much to talk about. And, yeah, there will be lots to talk about in that amount of time, you know, instead of a week-to-week basis. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm looking forward to all that. Looking forward to next week with the episode 100. So anyone listening here, be sure to tune in next week, 6 p.m., on Wednesday for our 100th episode of Off the Bench here as, as you know, our final weeks of all three of us as college students are just counting down. One month's left pretty much, so time is ticking. But, Liam, it's just you and me here. Chris is going to arrive a little later, so let's hop into a little bit of motorsports talk to kick us off. NASCAR was in Coda last week. Tyler Reddick won it in a, in a race that had like 100,000 yeah. green-white checkers. Uh, it seemed to never end. I tuned into the, tuned into the race 
I'd watched a little bit of it, was doing other things, tuned back in with like 15 laps. And I was like, sweet, I can watch the ending. And then the race lasted like an extra hour because it just kept going and kept going and kept going. Yeah. But what was your kind of general reaction to uh, to that race in Coda this year? So I was in uh, Knoxville for the Bassmaster Classic. So I didn't get to watch the truck race or the cup race. I got to watch about the second half of the Xfinity race, and that was my uh, NASCAR fix for me. But, uh, you know, going into it, I was like, you know, Tyler Reddick was super dominant all last year on in road courses. He switched to Toyota. He's, you know, done things with their road course program. So I've, And he was fast in both practice and qualifying. So I figured he was going to be, you know, a contender. And then A.J. Allmendinger, mm-hmm. who is the modern-day road course ringer, and he's now doing 36 races uh, this season, you know, with the full schedule. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be between those two. Allmendinger had some uh, troubles later on in the race. He was, you know, top three for the most part. But, I mean, Tyler Reddick, you know, no matter what happened to him during the race, he always got back to the front and took the lead and commanded it. I mean – you know, usually with these new style of road courses that we have, like Coda and the Indy Road Course, it's difficult to maintain the lead when everybody's just, you know, gunning for your back bumper. And, uh, you know, Tyler Reddick went through a lot of adversity and kept that lead, and it paid off in the long run, and he got the dub. Yeah, I mean, that was the most impressive thing to me because I made a joke about it, about the green-white checkers. But how many truly were there, four? Three, three, three or, or four? four, I think. I think it was three. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who on the broadcast said it, but, you know, cautions bring out more cautions, mm-hmm. and that's what we kind of saw at the end of the race. And Tyler Reddick, I mean, he had the pressure from William Byron for, I think, two of those restarts. Yeah, Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush had yeah. the pressure on him, and every single time he avoided wreckage in, in turn one and just kind of took off from there, yeah. led the whole Both way. of the track house cars, you know, were yeah. at, running up front a lot of the day, and they both got into trouble late mm-hmm. in the race. So, you know, he had to... He had to go through a lot for sure. Yeah, everybody welcome Chris Fortenberry. Yeah, so, salutations. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was just so, just, you know, dominant drive by him. Like you said, he's been good all weekend. And uh, and just to show that, you know, new in Toyota this year, to show his dominance of just, you know, continuously after restart after restart, you know, pulling a gap of a second and a half or however mm-hmm. much it was, two seconds, and just, you know, clearing the field away. He was the most dominant car. I mean, William Byron tried to stay in touch. He was in the lead for a little bit of it until Reddick could take that victory. Uh, the victory and the lead away from him, but it was just a dominant Well, see, all of that was interesting because that was kind of like an F1-esque thing where Reddick was doing a three-stopper and William was doing a two. So Reddick, you know, stopped and had to drive through the field Mm -hmm. on those fresher tires and, you know, was able to – he was like – I don't even know. I think I think Kurt Busch said he was like two seconds a lap quicker. Yeah, I mean he so, was lightning quick. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, it was the, the whole, you had you had the cool ending of the whole thing of you know can the two stopper with with worse tires uh-huh. defend off the three stopper with fresher tires and we had I mean they met up like with what yeah four or five laps and we only left. got that because the stage cautions yeah. you know weren't a thing you know they awarded stage points which mm-hmm. is great you know I'm still happy that they did that but I hope they translate this to other tracks too because like that yeah I mean works. I think it brings more strategy. You know, not everybody's going to be on the same page. It doesn't, and it doesn't we saw restart this. the race yeah. like three times. You know? Yeah, I mean, like I think everyone gets a clean slate. I know? think this was probably the second best race of the year because it didn't have stage cautions. It's been a good one. I mean, yeah. t- your top five: Reddick, Bush, Bowman, Chastain, Byron. Byron was up there for a lot of the time. Yeah. And then, I mean, my guy Christopher Bell was running pretty good for a lot of it, and then just cars in and out of the top ten for the last couple of restarts, just from wreck after wreck. Yep. Sad. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen got knocked out. Yeah. But, well, you know, Jimmy Johnson did as well. I mean, like Ross Chastain got wrecked with six laps to go. It's restarted 26. Looked like he had something broken in the rear and ended up yeah. finishing in the top 10 as well. So it's just crazy restarts on, you know, these couple of road courses. Yeah. I mean, you get, I mean, with Coda, you got the uphill sharp turn one. It just, it just leads to, you know, late breaking here at Herodic's uh, yeah. 
figuring something out. Well, yeah, you stopped yourself with someone else's car. Yeah, you might as well, right? Not cool. A little more robust in, in NASCAR than they are in F1. Definitely. Uh, so, yeah. Um, another news that came out today, just this afternoon, actually, the L2 appeal penalty that we had talked about a few episodes ago with Hendrick Motorsports has been appealed, Liam. So, yes. uh, tell us about a little bit more about that one. So, the appeals panel came back uh, based on the Hendrick Motorsports case from Phoenix regarding the hood lubers. And so Hendrick ended up getting back all of their driver and owner points along with their play, uh, playoff points. So that's huge for both Bowman as he goes back up the first in points and then uh, both Kyle Larson and uh, William Byron. Well, William Byron yeah. had two wins, so he's got 13 total playoff points now, but Kyle Larson's back up to zero. So that's, that's good for them. Um, but the $100,000 fine and the four-race suspension for the crew chiefs uh, still stands. You know, I'm not sure what evidence, because none of this is really made public beyond this. Yeah. So just speculating, I would say that either the rule wasn't written clearly enough to where, you know, Chad Knauss and the people from Hendrick kind of found a loophole through it, mm-hmm. you know, a wording thing. And, uh, you know, they say that the parts weren't safe and they're not all the same, even though they're single-source parts you know, which may or may not be true. We're not going to ever find that out. Or Hendrick legitimately had something there with their case. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with collar racing as Justin Haley's louvers the same weekend got taken for the same thing, uh, which that for some reason hasn't been announced yet. And they also appealed the penalty. Um, but so like the reason that they're still part of the penalty is because they did tamper with a single source part, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is why the penalties are still there. But you know, I think points are more important than anything because that's what pays money at the end of the year. So it's like that kind of funny strategy stuff we were talking about a few weeks ago where, oh, all the Hendrick cars, obviously the best team, dropping down in points because they, they get the penalty induced. Mm-hmm. That's kind of all now over. Yeah, like I mean. Them having to yeah. fight through the field in points to yeah. get a playoff spot. Bowman just, was already back up into the playoffs. Yeah. But he is now up to first yeah. again. Uh, Byron, you know, jumps from like 23rd to 3rd. And then Larson's up to like seventh or something, and Damn, you know the nine a, the nine car didn't <laughs> doesn't have points with Chase Elliott right now, that so be a fun that doesn't story matter. To follow. Yeah, so, sadly, that's it's, I mean good well, f- good for Hendrick. You find a loophole. I mean, you yeah. do what you got to do. Well, Justin and, Haley's still negative in points. Yeah, so he's you know that that's going to be big for him <laughs> if you know he goes from negative seven what he's at now to ninety three or whatever. What was the lowest anybody hit? Was it negative forty? Who was that? Justin Haley. That was Justin Haley. He yeah. Was negative forty. Jeez. Yeah. That's. That's, I mean, it's something you don't see a lot, negative no, points, very no. funny, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it gets good for Hendrick to find a loophole. I mean, I'm sure more details will get announced about what maybe potentially happened. You know, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, sure, a, I'm sure other teams going to be asking questions. They are because, you know, out of the penalties last year, they all got upheld to the, you know, highest amount with, Kez, degree, yeah. yeah, with RFK, Stuart Haas and Front Row Motorsports. And then when William Byron kind of did some jiggy stuff with Denny, Denny Hamlin mm-hmm. at one of the playoff races, he ended up getting his points back, but they upped his money fine in the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of trending towards, you know, Hendricks either doing something or NASCAR's got favoritism towards him, you know, which I don't support even though I am a Hendrick fan. <laughs> so I, I'd like to see some sort of, uh, you know, consistency across the board when it comes to these penalties which I guess we'll see because Daniel Suarez got penalized this week granted that was for a totally different offense but um, Mm. everybody's appealing everything these days yeah there'll be appeals to this appeal and then appeal to that appeal yeah it'll kind of go suit yeah well thanks for the update Liam yeah man what's what's next for NASCAR what's 
That's next week. Uh, we got Richmond this week for uh, Xfinity and Cup and trucks are doing the double at Texas with IndyCar. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I like Richmond. It's not not the best, not the it's worst. It's all right. It'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, if the short track package has changed any. Yeah, what what, what do they do to it? Uh, well, we kind of saw it at Phoenix with the lowered spoilers and the smaller tires. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's kind of going to be a continuation of that, except Richmond is a smaller track than Phoenix. Yeah. So I think it'll be it'll be its first true test. Yeah, I think it'll mean. be highlighted more because I mean you could get up to probably 140, 150 yeah. around. I mean, Phoenix. last year's short tracks were kind of. You know, besides Bristol in the playoffs, garbage. Or, or Martinsville in the playoffs were pretty garbage. Yeah, yeah Martinsville in the playoffs was garbage. I mean, the race it was still garbage, but yeah, you know, it's the racing it's product tainted. wasn't great. It's yeah. tainted. Yeah, for what happened. We'll but. see. I mean, <laughs> you know, they're talking about which this week the the wet weather tires will be brought out. So if it does rain in Richmond, you know, they'll get the standing water off the track, but they're not going to dry it past that. They're going to let the cars kind of clear the How track. It should be. Yeah, I mean, I'm here for that. That's not something I've ever seen. Uh, in my time, you know, we had a big problem a few years ago in New Hampshire with rain on the track and mm -hmm. everybody wrecked. So that was that was interesting, but you know, no it's, it's fun once and then it's yeah, like, no let's, no let's get green the cars to yeah, race next yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> so the sprinkle tires is what they're called. Uh we'll see if those get used in effect. I think that's the biggest thing I'd be looking out for this weekend. Yeah. All right, then I want to jump over to Formula One. I'll ask you if get a few things talked about in here they're in australia uh this week upcoming uh the championship is a very interesting interesting place looking at it compared to the last year maybe and you know just kind of the state of formula one i want to kind of get your opinions on this Liam, because i certainly have things to say uh, for those unaware red bulls just completely torn apart this season they're as dominant as mercedes was in you know 2014 15 and 2020 when they were in their best years and for Stafford and Perez number one and two in the championship one point apart and then after them it's kind of Alonzo really and then everybody else yeah Alonzo second fastest car seems to be Aston because Mercedes you know is stubborn second fastest car seems to be Fernando yeah yeah, yeah. strolls kind of in there with the Ferraris and yeah. Mercedes but Ferrari kind of dropped the ball in their development they have some rumored packages coming in Imola in about a month and a half which oh boy that could, yeah, yeah daunting you, you never know how that's gonna work out with yeah. them and then Mercedes just kind of continued on their their no side pod concept, which they've, I think I've explicitly stated now, they're going to drop for next year. They're going to go the Red Bull, Red Bull yeah. Uh, way. Which, yeah, Toto Wolf said no the, shame. I no was shame. like, whatever, my guy, dude. If they would have done that five years ago, you would have cussed out whoever. Yeah, if they had copied anything. I mean, they cussed yeah. out, what was it, Racing Point, when they copied just like the front wing or mm -hmm. the whole thing. So, so yeah, Toto Wolf, yeah, we know how he is. Clown. But what do you kind of, like, do you feel like for the going the rest of the season, obviously Aston Martin's kind of second fastest car. They're still kind of in it with Mercedes and Ferrari. I feel like it might just be, you know, depending on different tracks, they could fall back. Yeah. This week in Australia is going to be fun because it's going to be the first true test of a, of a daytime race where there's going to be good tire degradation. We've mm -hmm. had the two nighttime races in the Middle East, which, you know, nighttime cooler temperatures not right. affecting it as much. More grip. This, this will be more explicit than what we see in a lot of the European sections of this uh, in the uh, North American sections of this calendar. So maybe we'll see a kind of reordering of this uh, a little bit. Maybe the cars, the teams will kind of reorder themselves. But as for Red Bull at front, it seems to be Verstappen versus the world. Perez is kind of putting the fight to him one point behind. They've split the races one and one each. A lot of people have kind of asked if Perez can fight for a championship this year. I mean, he's doing better in the first two races than he did last year compared to Verstappen. I mean, it's partially because he has the fastest car by a good second a lap. So yeah. he kind of anything less than seconds can be disappointing for them. But what do you think with Perez? Does he have any shot or is it kind of like a Bottas Hamilton thing where he'll be up there, but he won't really challenge very hard? I think it's kind of a Bottas Hamilton thing because, I mean, they, they were – 
they had the reins held back on Max, you know, at the last race, and then he yeah. goes out on the last lap and sets like straight purples. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> he it's, gained like a second and a half. Like, yeah, Paris is probably just like keeping it cool. Yeah, you know? like, I don't mean, screw this up. Just get the car home. And you could tell, like with Joss, that you know something was going on to where Max and he weren't very happy with the outcome of that race. But I mean, I think they did what was best for the company. But I, I think Red Bull. Dude, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see like if Red Bull can sweep every race of the season. I mean, we thought that. I think they have that capability. It's gonna yeah. take some things to happen to where they're not. I mean, I expect Charles to improve as the season goes on. Yeah. I expect George to do the same. You know, Lewis hasn't looked himself. Carlos has looked a little bit sketchy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Fernando. You know, all in if God he, tier. He's in yeah, the, he's, he's in the prime of his career. He is. I mean, you know, all <laughs> 40, it takes is 41, 42. Yeah. I mean, I think he could go blow for blow if, you know, there's a late safety car at the end of the race. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he stays within DRS uh, he, area. If he so. manages to win this year, I think by and large, by a good margin, he'd be, you know, the be the biggest gaps between race, race wins and I think F1 yeah. history. Yeah. I think so. Raikkonen has that right now. He might. he won in 2012 with Lotus. With Lotus, or and then he whoever. waited all the way until, I think, Coda 18. Yeah. So... It'll be interesting. I mean, I think this team has just as good ability to sweep the entire season. I mean, everybody kind of goes into these races expecting Max to win it. Yeah. I mean, but we saw that with Mercedes in 2020 most recently. They also did that at the beginning of kind of the the V6 era, where I think they might have swept seasons. I can't remember if Red Bull or Ferrari pulled out a win in those in those kind of you know Rosberg Hamilton early days, but at least in 2020, the most recent example where their car was clearly a second. They were winning races by 50 plus seconds over Max, who was in third. And they still didn't win every race. We obviously had Gasly and Monza where that mishap happened. We had uh, Perez in, in Bahrain, Max won, I think, in Abu Dhabi and in Silverstone. So and when, it's, when it's a year where there's only two cars that can fight for wins and something happens where those two cars, you know, fall out of contention, whether it's they wreck themselves, which, I mean, if Perez gets kind of nasty this year, that could happen. Yeah, mechanical failures happen. Mechanical failures. Yeah. I mean, they're bound to have some kind of bad luck at some point, and it's going to be down to Aston, Ferrari, Mercedes, or somebody else to clean up the scraps there. So... I'm sure some of those races will happen. I mean, I remember 2020 COVID years. Oh, yeah. Up. That was Wild. That's one of the most memorable seasons Definitely. to me just because every race you went into it, knowing Mercedes was going to do good, but just like hoping in the back of your mind something crazy would happen. Yeah. I mean, I mean, hell, like half the races, something crazy happened. I mean, I, mean had, I think like what, like 10 or 12 different podium finishers that year? I think, yeah. I mean, just I, one one of the yeah. top three. Was and Max included. ended up winning, you know, like four times. You yeah. know, Botas had his hat up in the race more often than mm-hmm. not. So... That was definitely interesting. I mean, we kind of saw a little bit of that in 2021 as well. So I'm ex- I'm hoping to see some of that this year because that's what's going to – which, I mean, F1's fans' interests aren't going to go away these days. But, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean – It'd peak more. It would peak more uh, if there was a title battle. It sucks that there's not going to be one this year unless something ridiculous happens. Ferrari's rumored to, like, bring new side pods, floor, wing changes in Imola, which would – they say they're going to get rid of the bowl design then – which I don't know if all those are going to come in Imola or if they're going to slowly introduce them starting in Imola, but that could be a big dramatic thing that could see them forward or back on the grid, kind of like we saw with Aston last year with their big package. Mercedes, I think, is going to be stubborn all year until next year when they develop the Red Bull concept, but I really don't see a team pushing Red Bull. Red Bull's going to develop their own, but I imagine Red Bull will kick development to the curb pretty quickly in favor of next year because if they have such a big lead they might as well just overdevelop the 2024 car and just dominate for half a decade like i we've mean seen dude, teams do. yeah they were talking about how max could have won the driver's championship at zandvoort he could he yeah could. well he can't now because sergio won the race but you uh, know 
Yeah, they already, got, push, the ma- they already just, got the math going yeah, up to like, yeah. to like race like what 13 or 14, whatever yeah. it is. So, I mean, he's going to win it in, L- in Las Vegas, and F1's going to absolutely, you know, froth themselves over. Scripted. Yeah, it's going to happen. Scripted. You, you know, it's going to. It's like the end. Because Vegas is like what, the third to last race? That's when he's going to win it. Ah, he'll win it before then. Uh, Paris just keeps reasonably close. I don't know. I it There's only, what, seven-point difference between first and second? So. If, yes. And, you know, it depends yeah, on who yeah, gets fastest close. laps and be stuff. Close. Yeah, yeah I, I, I hope I hope Ferrari and Mercedes and, and Aston can at least give us a good second place in the constructors' battle that it keeps things interesting. Fight over the final podium spot. They will. Because, I mean, that's I mean since there's only one car that's really been dominant. Like, mm-hmm. in 2020, we saw Max and the Red Bull kind of occupy that third spot for most of the time because Albon at the time, he was basically a midfield driver in that Red right. Bull. Alonzo, I mean, he's been great so far, but I do expect Ferrari and Mercedes to get their act a little bit together. Ferrari, uh, Alonzo to maybe cool off a little bit, and hopefully that third-place spot can be something that's fought over by, you know, three, four, five drivers at max. So it'll be fun to see. But, yeah, I'm I'm not as worried about the season as I was, like, at Bahrain when Red Bull was a second quicker and still had change in the pocket towards the end of the race. I was like, dang, the season's going to blow. And even as a Ferrari fan and a Leclerc fan, this has been Leclerc's worst start to a season, I think, ever, even including his Sauber year in 2018. Six points over two races, not very good. Um, you know, I'm excited to see how he goes. I think this, this entire season could be fun. Maybe not so exciting to me as a Ferrari fan compared to last year where we actually had a sniff at a championship, at least for like the first 10, 12 weeks. But, you know, it'll be interesting. I just feel bad for kind of the midfield drivers because if you look at the constructor standings, it's literally Red Bull at 87, Aston 38, Mercedes 38, Ferrari 26, and then Alpine at eight. And it just kind of drops off really quickly. I mean, over two races, eight of the ten teams have scored, but it's kind of like, you know, the top eight are almost secure to be those top four teams, and it's just fighting over the one and two points of 10th and ninth that all the other teams are going to have to go for. Uh, one more thing to ask you, Liam. Uh, McLaren, one of two teams to not score points so far. Daniel Rick, Danny Rick looks like he made the smartest decision of any person on earth right now as the third driver in Red Bull. He had to do all his fun media stuff. I think he was drifting like an RB9 on dirt. Oh, yeah, he's hanging out Australia. with scotty james the best snowboarder in the world at yeah. the moment just talking about cryptocurrency and stuff how bad could it be <laughs> meanwhile lando and uh and Piastri yeah are just kind of i feel bad for lando end. man i do i really do because i think he's to me he's top five talent wise on the grid and he's in you know the worst car mclaren's ever put out so yeah. And according to them, I think they had development. They kind of thought it was bad. They stopped it. So they're basically entering this year with the same car they yeah. did from last year. And what sucks, I think, really for Lando especially, not only is this car bad, but when he joined the team in 2019, I think, they were on an upward trajectory. Yeah. Every single year they increased their way in the constructors. I think except for 21, they finished third in 2020, fourth in 21. But in 21, they were closer to the front than ever. That was just a year where you know every team kind of compressed themselves to the front. That was the closest battle between all 10 teams we've seen in a long time, you know, last year in, in that current regulation set. And McLaren, you know, they were, f- for, for a certain stretch there in the second half of the season in 21, they were fighting for wins and poles. I mean, they had the 1-2 in, 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 uh, in Monza. Then yeah. Lando had pole in Russia. Should have won that race. Should have won. For, you know, weather and him not having the experience that Lewis did. They were, you know, regularly competing for podiums that year. And you go into the new regulation set thinking, wow, you know, McLaren's upward trajectory, they seem to be in the right path new set of regulations they could you know come out here and blow the blow the lid off the thing lead the constructors for all you care in 21 or in 22 drop the ball on that or kind of a midfield team last year and now they're even further behind so yeah. it's kind of like you get your hopes right to the brink of like shooting over the edge and then you just kind of fall back down to earth like they've been you know back in the alonzo mcconda days so yeah i mean I bad for him. 
I do too, because uh, I'm going to be cheering for him this year. Like, you know, I was cheering for Albon and stuff last year. Like, any points is good points, mm-hmm. you know. And I, uh, I don't know. There's there's talks that they want to move Lando or that La- like Lando going to Mercedes when Mercedes uh, Hamilton retires yeah. would be optimal. But we'll see what happens. It's probably the best he potentially could he get. Could do Ferraris. Yeah. I don't think they're going to change very nah. much unless. And if they replace signs for anything, it's going to be with Ollie Behrman or whatever. He's coming up pretty good in F2 right now. So Yeah. Or F3. No, he's F2. I can't remember. I don't know. F2 is a freaking yeah. gong show. And then, I mean, Perez could always lead Red Bull, but I think Danny Rick might have kind of a hold on that for some reason. I feel Danny confident. Rick's Danny I, Rick's going to come out and play one more time. I think he will, too. I think but, it might be in a Red Bull, too, especially if Perez kind of messes up this year. He's, he's not done talking. Yeah. Which I love Daniel Riggs, so I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> yeah. We'll watch it carefully. It'll be fun this year. Uh, we'll have to – I mean, the season's going to end – off the bench is going to end before the season's barely even kicked off, so we'll have to definitely do the updated shows yes, sir. over the off season for that. But we'll head into a quick break here. Chris Fortenberry has joined us. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Yeah. Train yeah. got you, didn't he? Yeah. Got stuck Thomas? Train. Yeah. Yeah. I, stuck, I was at practice, went home, got stuck behind a train. It was no bueno. It happens. Things happen, you know? Yeah, I mean, I was out there just trying to butter my putter. Yeah. You know, trying to refry my own beans. And next thing you know, <laughs> I get stuck out here in this I traffic. love this. Yeah. Well, hope you're prepared. We got uh, some NCAA Final Four talk coming at you uh, after the break here. Been a fun Final Four. Been a fun NCAA tournament. Very interesting looking Final Four. So we're going to review the Elite Eight, preview the Final Four for y'all uh, coming up after the break. So stay tuned for that. Remember to follow us on social media at Off the Bench XLR to keep up with all things Off the Bench. Videos, posts, graphics, and more are there. That is at Off the Bench XLR on Instagram. Follow us there. Listen to this one song, and we'll be right back after the break. And we are back here on Off the Bench. My name is Hayden Joyner, joined with Chris Fortenberry and Liam Worley. Like I said, we're going to talk some March Madness Elite Eight Final Four preview, so stick around for a little bit of that. It was it was an interesting weekend. It was a crazy weekend. A lot of stuff happened that I think we didn't predict. If you missed last week, we made a little bit of predictions for the Sweet 16, or, the, yeah, the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games. I think uh, a few of us predicted Houston to make it all the way, and they got knocked out or... It's first time I how this I think this was the first time in NCAA tournament history that all number one seeds were out by the Elite Eight. It kind of became just an open fest for everybody, yeah, to, for sure, to fight their way through. And your Final Four, as it stands right now, entering this weekend, the Final Four teams that will compete for a national championship this season, if you can believe it, are San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, Miami, and UConn. And out of those four, UConn's coming away as the clear favorite in all the rankings uh, by the one. Or all the betting odds, but the one I have right here, UConn's a, a minus one twenty-five to win the national championship. Compare that to San Diego State plus three ninety, Miami plus five hundred, and FAU plus six hundred. So UConn's been there; they've done that. They've I think they've won like four national championships in the last twenty so years. They've they always seem to put it together in the years that they are competitive and can get a national championship run done. It's like every year they're decent; they will put it together. They've been a great team this season, top twelve in Ken Palm a lot of the year. We're, you know top three all season for a lot of the stretch fell back to get a four seed in the tournament, but they're coming through on a great run and look to be the good favorites here to recap the elite eight. We had over in the South region, number five, San Diego state defeating number six, Creighton 57 to 56 on a kind of controversial ending where a last second foul gave a, 
Darian Tremel, uh, two free throws to take the lead by two, missed the first one, drained the second one. I mean, clutch shot there. I mean, this kid, you know, one free throw, you already missed one, one free throw to send your team, you know, further in the tournament than they've ever made, or at least, you know, help, yeah, help that. These are all first-time like, Final Four Yeah, teams. I mean, well, was, aside from UConn. Aside from UConn, yeah. Um, just a phenomenal game for them, and, uh, you know, Good to San Diego State. Good to the Aztecs. Never been there again. I mean, like Liam just mentioned, three of the four teams are their first ever visit to the final. And it may not be three. I I was watching some things on the matchup. Definitely Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. Yeah, you're right. Miami, this is their first final four as well. So just ridiculous stuff from all these teams. They they did great. So hats off to the Aztecs. Hats off to Creighton, too. I mean, they were just in there as well to to get in the final four. They came down to the last second, like 1.3 seconds, whatever yeah. it was, and it was foul. I mean, you kind of you kind of feel for the kid that fouled him, but, you know, Without the Doug McDermott, too. Yeah. So super congrats to there. Jumping over to the Midwest, Midwest region, number five, Miami, defeated number two, Texas, a, lot of, a team that a lot of people had going far, far in this draft, especially entering the Elite Eight when it was kind of, you know, no number ones left, no number twos left aside from Texas. They're the only ones. So they were kind of favored to, you know, maybe meet UConn in the Final Four, fight for a national championship game. That kind of goes out sour as Miami defeats them 88-81 to 81 in the Midwest region final. First ever Final Four for Miami as well, and they scored 51 second-half points to get a gun, erasing a 13-point deficit halfway through the second half. Just utter domination. The second half, good adjustments. Uh, guard Jordan Miller led the way for both teams with 27 points. Jumping over to the East region, kind of the Cinderella story, but they, they say it's not a Cinderella Cinderella story. Florida Atlantic themselves claim. I mean, they were thirty-one and three coming into the yeah, tournament. Thirty-one and three. They've been a great team. I mentioned Liam. I think when we did our our big preview show, um, who they play first, Memphis, Mem- number eight, Memphis. Yeah, I, I think coined, we both. I, co- I think we both talked about that. We both talked about yep. it. I coined that matchup as one to watch because I thought the winner of that game, whoever it was, I predicted Memphis, but it could have gone either way. I thought the winner of that game could take it to Purdue and, and yep. beat them. I'm with you. That never happened because Purdue screwed up even before I thought they were going to screw up and losing to Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, but yeah, I mean, Florida Atlantic took it all the way. I, th- I had Memphis going to the Elite Eight in a lot of the brackets I had. He swapped out with Florida Atlantic, who they played a tight game with in, in the round of 64. And now number nine, the Owls defeated Kansas State, number three in the East region, 79 to 76 in a back and forth game, reaches their first ever Final Four uh, after entering this tournament. And previous to this tournament, only one other NCAA tournament appearance and had zero wins as a, as a program. So Huge congrats to them, and uh, they're—I mean—they're a fairly young program too. I think they first started basketball in like the '80s. So I mean, haven't been doing basketball for that long relative to a lot of these schools. Yeah. So, hats off to the Owls. That's kind of who I'm cheering for the rest of the way. I mean, lowest seed of the bunch, number nine seed. Uh, so they're going to be a fun. They've been a fun team to watch all year. They've been electrifying, and it'll be interesting to see how they go up against uh, San Diego State. Because I mean, heck, they, usually these Cinderella stories, like I said last week, they end in the Final Four, but they have just as good a shot as making a national championship as any other team in this in the Final Four left. You know, it's not like they're facing you know number one seeded UNC or Duke or Kentucky or right. or Villanova or one of the like that. true blue bloods. Yeah, and then lastly, jumping over to the West region, UConn faced Gonzaga, a four versus three respectively, and UConn absolutely destroyed Gonzaga. Uh, you know, a team they destroyed everybody. To be fair, destroyed everybody. To be fair, three of the four victories this tournament have been by twenty plus points, and the other one was like by fifteen or sixteen points. They defeated Gonzaga eighty-two to fifty-four, a twenty-eight point bashing. R.I.P. to my boy Drew yeah. Timmy. Drew Timmy, sorry man. Uh, good ca- good for, career for being there for twenty years. Yeah, Gonzaga's been a great team for a long time. They just can't seem to get over you know the big hump. So it happens. It happens. Can't finish. Can't finish. Yikes. Yeah, and UConn, I mean, it's almost incredible to look at who UConn's, 
you know, just absolutely them creaming everybody they played. I mean, you go back to the round of 24, a round of 64, UConn defeated Iona, Rick Pitino, 87 to 63. They beat St. Mary's, who was a top 12 team in Kempom, a good team. One of the five I highlighted in this West region that, you know, could have gone all the way. St. Mary's defeated them 70 to 55. That's the smallest margin of victory they've had all season. Defeated Arkansas, who was a hot team coming off the Kansas victory, 88 to 65, and then beat Gonzaga, like I said, 54, or 82 to 54. So they come in against a Miami team that's hot as ever, and they will face after that if they win either a San Diego State Aztec team or a Florida Atlantic Isles team. UConn should be the favorite to win this one, I think, by a lot. I mean, they've, they've destroyed every team they've come across. I imagine they do the same to Miami, and I'd imagine they do the same to San Diego State or FAU. But for you two watching, what do you kind of feel going forward? Final four, two matchups, what kind of predictions? What are you feeling for these? Nigel Pack, man, for Miami. He's, uh, I think that's his name, right? He's pretty solid. Yeah. He's been stepping up big for Miami these past couple of games and why they've been able to pull it out. Uh, but again, UConn has not had a close game at all. doesn't matter who they face. They've just been destroying everybody. And uh, when you're doing that, you're obviously hot, and you they've gotten hot at the right time, and it's really hard to beat those kinds of teams, especially in March Madness. So um, I think it'll be a good game, but I, I, I see UConn definitely pulling it out and getting the win. But wouldn't be surprised if uh, Nigel Pack from Miami just does his thing, goes out there and keeps it close. Yeah. So, like, looking at the NCAA tournament statistics for players, like, UConn's got people up there in every category, and they have, you know, the most games played compared to a lot of the guys who could have had, you know, single good games or something like that, and their team's lost. But, uh, I mean, they have, they have people that come off the bench and can contribute a lot to the game. Both of their guards are tremendous three-point shooters and have been doing well in this tournament. Uh, Adama Sonogo, to me, is probably my player of the tournament so far. Mm. And, uh, I mean, Miami, you know, they're kind of the opposite there. They haven't been high-powered on offense. You know, they're not super high-octane. They've been a great tournament team, you know, this year and last year, which, I mean, they beat Auburn last year, who had been number one for a fair amount of the season. But uh, they also, they're unlike UConn also in the way to where their starters have to play well for them to do well. That's not something that uh, that has been happening for them so far. So they're going to need all the starters to do well and probably have a hero or two come off the bench if they want to remain competitive. Yeah. I mean, looking at Miami-UConn, I think Miami does have a shot against the Huskies. It's going to be a far stretch here. UConn's destroyed every team going forward. They are easily the best team left in this tournament. Jordan Miller, who I highlighted earlier for Miami, 27 points in their victory against Texas. He shot 7 for 7 from the field, 13 of 13 from the free throw line. He's the first player to shoot or to score that many points with no missed shots since, sadly, Christian Leitner in the Elite Eight against Oof. Kentucky back in 92. Hurt to read that stat. But, I mean, Oof. against Kentucky, man. Mm. That was one of the well, most... Christian Leitner was freaking dog infamous shots there's a documentary called i hate christian leitner i think i think it was a 30 for 30 it was it was a 30 for 30 so guy had more freaking pull than i don't know (laughs) who else i mean for jordan miller i'll highlight him just because he had that game against texas any player on miami's front five starting five can uh can explode any day um funny enough their head coach jim lorang uh i can never say his last name second ever final four appearance 17 years after he led george mason to their uh cinderella story final four um 17 years ago would be what oh six which doesn't feel right to me still that's wild yeah he has he he knows how to get these cinderella stories uh finished and you know he he can he can do just as good damage this team can do just just as good damage to the huskies so i believe in the miami hurricanes 
Um, it'd be fun to see if that can happen. But yeah, I mean, they got four guys averaging 13 points or more, mm-hmm. while UConn just has two. Yeah, but UConn's got people like in every category, like yeah. points, rebounds, no, steals, like, the whole the whole like nine. Miami has more guys who can go out there and score. Yeah, yeah. But maybe UConn just has more guys who can board, defend, and do all the above. So. Yeah, I mean, I think like UConn's whole team aspect is better. Mm-hmm. They so, got a dude we'll averaging see. a double double right now. UConn does no or Miami for the, Miami. For the tournament. Omier is thirteen point three and ten point one on the on the mm. season. It looks like. Damn. There you go. Yeah, that's solid for the Huskies. It's kind of it's kind of a new place for them and an old place for them. Head coach Dan Hurley. It's for his first ever head, uh, Final Four appearance since he started out as a head coach, um, and you know. They've, they've been in this situation, like I kind of mentioned earlier. They've had uh, four total national championships, the first coming in 1999, and the rest have been coming since. That's four in the last 24 years. Uh, this is their first Final Four appearance since 2014 when they defeated my Kentucky Wildcats in the championship. So they've been there, done that before, but for this squad, it's very new to them. It's been a minute since this team's made it this deep in the tournament. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on their shoulders, I feel like, going into the Final Four, the big stage of Houston, NRG Stadium, where the Final Four is going to be played. They're, like I mentioned earlier, clear favorites. And I do kind of worry if some of that's going to come into their heads a little bit because Miami is a dangerous team. And if they do get past the Hurricanes, they're going to have to face a dangerous Owls or Aztecs team who have both, you know, flown through pretty quality opponents the entire season. Obviously, San Diego State beat number one Alabama. The Owls have beat, you know, everybody in their path. Granted, they've had an easier road, but number four, Tennessee, wasn't a bad team to defeat. Number three, Kansas State was arguably the nation's favorite heading into the Elite Eight to win everything, you know, with their social media pull and, uh, and you know, all those guys on that team. They just kind of bring the swagger to the Wildcats team in Kansas State. But I'd be worried about I'd be worried about Miami if I was the, if I was the Huskies. I wouldn't predict Miami to win, but I would be worried that this game could be a little closer than they might imagine. Jumping over to the other side of the bracket, the Owls facing the Aztecs, a number nine versus a number five, if I remember correctly, number six. What is it? Number five, yeah, San Diego five. State. Um, what do we t- What do you two think of this matchup? I mean, this this is the side of the bracket that really kind of curates me because curious brings curiosity to me, whatever that word is. Because um, UConn, I think, is favored against Miami. But this is a team, this is a game where we're going to see a national championship featuring San Diego State or Florida Atlantic. I don't think anybody in the country is really truly considered what that's going to look like because that's something no one would have predicted just even a month ago but, uh, entering the tournament. But what do we? What do you two think, Chris or Liam, about the Aztecs and Owls? Uh, I mean, who do you think can pull this out or who has the best chance to you know, make it to the national championship and win the whole thing? To me, I think San Diego State has a little bit better of an all-around team. Uh they're really strong on defense. You know, they've they played in a fairly decent conference out there in the Mountain West. I know they had two other bids with Utah State and Boise State. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and like they have people who pick up the slack when their their best scorer Bradley isn't playing well. So, like, I don't know. FAU they have a really good offense, but they're gonna have to do well and like you know convert and get those offensive rebounds. You know, on the first time. Mm-hmm. instead of letting San Diego State go down the court and, you know, score. Because they've been doing – they've been pretty good at scoring uh, aside from the Creighton game for this tournament as well. So, I mean, shout out to my boy Cole Edenfield. He said since <laughs> the first game that San Diego State played that they would be a really good team and go deep into the into the tournament. And, man, he wasn't wrong. I kind of thought he was full of it. But uh, he's been spot on. And I'm kind of pulling for San Diego State. I like, uh, mm-hmm. I like this golfer, Xander Shoffley, who's an – uh, Aztec alumni, so I'm, uh, I'm kind of pulling for him as he's got uh, some big things going on next week. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Um, San Diego State's definitely looking 
good, especially their track record in this tournament, who they've beaten, who they've played to a very high level. Uh, they knocked off Alabama, which was very impressive. Uh, and FAU's had a good record, too. I mean, they've they've played some good teams and, and, and done the job and gotten what they've needed to do done. So that's impressive to see. And I don't know. I mean, it's, I think it's easy to look at it and say the 5 seed is going to beat the 9, um, and especially based off of what we've seen so far in the tournament. But like Liam said, uh, it'll be – I mean, I'm leaning towards San Diego State, but FAU's just fought so hard the whole time mm-hmm. against everybody, and I thought Kansas State would beat them with ease, and yeah. that was just wasn't that's, the that's case. Every, I mean, Kansas State was the nation's darling in yeah. the day. Like, everybody loved Marquis Noel. And I mean, Keontae Johnson. Yeah. Like, everybody loved that team. The head coach. I, mean, I had Kansas State going to the Final Four, but, you know, I mean, Florida Atlantic was like a borderline top 25 team the whole time. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's – they, they I, I can't overlook them. I feel yeah, like they, I am. I mean, but every matchup they've had, they've yeah. been, you know, people have said, you know, oh, Tennessee can beat them. Oh, Memphis can Memphis, beat them. Oh, yeah. Kansas State can beat them. Yeah. F, I mean, FDU was really the only matchup where they were, like, clearly favored. That was a 16 seed. Even then, you know, I, I mean, FDU had things going in the right direction, too. I'm not saying that they were favored, but, you know. You could have been worried about it, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's just crazy to see that they've come this far. And I feel like, you know, they just keep – surprising us and keep mm-hmm. doing you know it's what scary. you don't expect them to do but they're doing their job and playing at a high level and they're working very well as a team and like you said that's very scary so i don't i don't know who i would necessarily pick i'm like i said i'm leaning towards san diego state but i wouldn't be surprised to see fau pull it off again yeah i'll throw some numbers at you for this matchup san diego state their defense has been what's led them through this tournament led them through the entire season Really, they're a number four nationally in effective or adjusted effective efficiency rating on defense. And for their postseason run um, in the Mountain West and in this tournament so far, they've just been on another level, it seems. I mean, since the start of the Mountain West tournament, they've held opponents to just uh, 56.6 points per game. And uh, as well, just two of those opponents have broke, broken 60 points so far. They've been effective on the defensive end, especially when it comes to three-point defense, allowing only 17% from the, from the arc, number two in the nation on the season. And, you know, that's, that's, that's really hurt the guys they played. Charleston, Furman, Alabama, Creighton, all these teams, they've combined for 17, 17% on the tournament as well from behind the arc. And sadly for the Owls, that's where a lot of their efficiency comes from, is from behind the arc. The deep, you know, the deep shots for them has been what's, what's kind of helped them on, on for a while. It is one of their, like, it's just kind of something that they haven't, well, I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's worked that well against them, but, you know, they've been good from the arc. They've been bad at the arc for sometimes. And that's really where a lot of the points yeah. come from for them sometimes. Um, the Owls are going to have to look at that That's really true. specifically. Um, season average, they've shot 36% from the threes, uh, still in the 30s for the tournament, so so not awful at all. It's And for, for teams that run that well, um, run their Cinderella runs in the tournament, and number nine seed especially, you know, you have to rely on kind of those lucky shots, the deep balls to get you by. And if that's not going to fall for them already, then, you know, they're going to have to really figure something out to get by past them. But like Chris said, you know, I just have a, a tickling feeling about the Owls. And so if I had to predict my national championship, I'd predict FAU versus UConn in the national wow. championship game. I got SDSU versus UConn. Yeah. yeah. Is anybody going to go with Miami, Chris? You gonna f- you feel Miami over UConn? No. No? Who no, do, I mean, who do I, you got? I picked, a U- I picked UConn to yeah. make it to the Final Four. Only person I've seen pick so. Miami so far is Dave Portnoy. I mean, I don't mean... He might like, be onto something. That dude's smart 50% of the time. I don't mean I picked UConn to make it to the Final Four on my bracket. Uh-huh. I just mean that I did it on our last show. Yeah, yeah. which is fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you readjust after yeah. I mean, you went from 16 to 4. That's a big margin, you know, to yeah. get right. So, that's, yeah. that's fair. So, raise your hand if UConn's not winning the national championship. Nada? It'd yeah. be hard for me to say that they aren't winning 
with how well they fight yeah. the whole time. Like, yeah, and I mean they're like game, but. they've been like a borderline blue blood too. Yeah, you know, so they're just a the history of winning in that program. I just want to say, like, compare this year's Final Four to last year's Final Four. Last oh, yeah, year's Final, yeah, last year's Final Four was like almost the who's who of basketball history. Yeah, it was. You know, I mean, you could interchange some a few other teams, but now nah, Kentucky definitely didn't belong into that. I wasn't even going to say Kentucky. I was going to say UCLA. I meant, I, meant, I, meant, I, meant, I meant UCLA. I mean, what was it last year? Gonzaga, UCLA, Kansas, and was it Nova was in it? Right? It, was it was UNC, Duke, UNC, Kansas, oh, yeah. UNC, and Villanova. Duke. I was thinking two years yep. ago. It was yep. the Gonzaga, UNC. So, yeah, Villanova, Kansas, UNC, Duke. That and was it what? Kansas and UNC? Kansas and, yeah. and UNC. Kansas won it Kansas. all. Yeah. I, mean, so. I mean, that's that's – that's a great example of kind of, you know, the two sides of college yeah. basketball. You I have mean, the Blue Bloods who have dominated for such a long time as they have, but you have the madness of March that can yeah. come in and sweep everything. You know. I mean, you had a 16 beat a 1, didn't a 15 beat a 2? Yeah, Princeton went all the way to the Yeah, that's 16. right, that's right. And then, I mean, Virginia was unexpected, and, I mean, yeah. that's just chaos. I mean, I mean, we have, what, a 5, 4, 9, 5? In yeah. the yeah. final four right now. Yeah. I've said this whole tournament. It, High average. Every time you make your bracket, you can't predict these things. It's so hard to predict these things. But I said, you know, back in the round of 64 when we did our big preview, that there's the stat that, you know, since the last, like, six or seven final fours, there's always been a seed that's been a five or six or lower. And aside from UConn, who's a four? Every, every seed left in the tournament, a five, a five, and a nine, all fit that criteria. They're all right. a five or lower. And that's happened in every tournament in the last, like, you know, six, seven years. And it could continue happening. That's something you had to look out for when you're making your bracket. Maybe not to this extent, because I was thinking, that it's like, oh, you know, maybe Kentucky's a six. They can make a Final Four run. But, you know, certainly... Who did y'all lose to? We lost to Kansas State. Oh. So... That's, I mean, that's valid. Valued they were a three seed, and they yeah. played very well, so... And that was a game where Kentucky played the whole thing close. It was just Marquise Noel threw up like three Steph Curry shots in the final two minutes, drained them all, and you just can't beat that. So they now because Shibway, he's gone, right? Shibway's going to the yeah, he'll be okay. gone. Yeah, but she's a dog. Yeah. But I couldn't believe he stayed for this year. He stayed. When he st- he didn't want to end on a St. Peter's uh, round of sixty four loss. Hey, so. it's fine. He ended on a uh, Kansas Detox, State though. what? A Kansas State round, speaks, of, 32 uh, round of thirty two loss. So yeah, one stage go. better. Yeah, Kansas State, you know, was like a. They were top 15 team for a fair part of the season. So, you know, they kind of belonged. I mean, they were better than Kentucky Yeah, for the most part of the year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how it goes. It is. Who's winning the, well, women's, who's winning the women's tournament? USA. South Carolina. Yeah. South Carolina. It'll be South Carolina LSU, in my opinion. I think South Carolina wins again. You don't like Caitlin Clark and the Hawkeyes? Dude. Beat, if anyone can South beat them, it'll be Caitlin Clark. She but she's insane. is insane. I don't know that I've ever enjoyed watching highlights of a woman athlete like Caitlin Clark. Yeah, she's she like, could pop. She could pop it up from anywhere. Yeah, she's, she's like, like a or prime Dame Dollar or yeah. something. I mean, mm-hmm. it's wild. She's, she's a hooper, boy. She is a hooper, good. and she does everything. It's not like she's just out there scoring points. She had a triple double the last game. Oh yeah, one twelve and ten. Yeah, no, that's like Russell Westbrook numbers from whenever he was averaging triple doubles. And but what's wild? They said it was the first 40-point triple-double, but not only that, it was the first 30-point 30. 30 triple-double 30. Yep. in both men's and women's yep. Yep. March Madness history. She's insane, man. Absolutely ridiculous. I, I think it's a fun women's tournament because it's not 1-1-1-1 one, 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 one in the Final Four. You have a 1-2, one, a 1, and a 3, so it's a little different. Usually I mean, it's just the one seed. We dominant. know with the women that it's always going to be the top the top of the top outlook. No there. UConn this year. <laughs> yeah, sure. we finally off out. of U- no UConn, no Stanford, no hey, anybody else. Everyone out there, Ohio State women's knocked off UConn. Good for you. And then lost to Virginia Tech. But hey, we we knocked. Hey, they were they were a good squad. 
I'm, I mean, partially because they're playing the Gamecocks and their, their fans annoy me for for the most part. I'm cheering for Caitlin Clark, the Hawkeyes. It's been such a, a good story. <laughs> She's Nate Smith's player of the year for women's basketball this season. She deserves Knock it. Knock off the undefeated undefeated Gamecocks in the Final Four. Go win yourself a national championship. Do it against Louisville. That'd be great, too. So that's been a fun one. I saw a stat that their game against their Elite Eight game, uh, Iowa versus Louisville, mm-hmm. brought in more viewers than any NBA game this entire season. Yeah, I bet when everyone heard that she was just lighting it up, there everyone tuned in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the stat also said the highest NBA regular season game this year has been 1.2 million viewers. I can't remember what the Louisville-Iowa game brought in, but they apparently beat that. You want to know something? What? This is this kind of tooting my own horn, but the Bassmaster Classic this weekend had 4.5 million uh, viewers. Did it really? Really? Wow. Who was the true Bassmaster this year? Jeff Gustafson, first Canadian to win it. This is the first time I've ever talked about fly fishing on the show? Yeah, I mean, I could definitely. uh, It's all right. (laughs) I'm in a YouTube video. That's what me and Chris were watching a second ago. I'll I'll probably post that on my story later because it's freaking hilarious. So At Liam Worley, go check it out. Uh, no, it's mainly for my friends. I don't want other people to see it. <laughs> did the sorry? Did the late. microphone? Did the paddle have a microphone on? Yeah, it? that's so. That's yeah. awesome. What the yeah. paddle had a microphone? You'll see, on? dude. It's all right. Top tier tomfoolery. There yeah. we go. All right, well, we're gonna go into a quick break here. I think I we already talked about it, but UConn, UConn across the board. Yes, sir. Yeah, UConn. Yeah, that's what Huskies. Yeah, yeah that, national championships Monday and Final Four Saturday. Sounds about yes. right. Man, that'll be good. Next week's, you know, we'll get to talk about that. Master's week's next week, so mm-hmm. we'll get to talk about that. Yeah, be a good week. Episode 100. I mean, we got a fair amount of racing. We'll probably cap off some more NFL free agency Draft's stuff. Draft's coming up pretty soon, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. If Lamar ever gets picked up, we'll get into that in a little bit here. But Yes, sir. Ridiculous, ridiculous. Cool beans. All right, we're going to go into a quick break here. When we get back, we got some NFL free agency stuff. As always, we're going to talk uh, some comparisons, some trades, some winners and losers of free agency, and some other stuff regarding... Ezekiel Elliott, Lamar Jackson, other news coming out in the NFL currently. So stay tuned for that. Remember to subscribe to us on our podcasting network. You can find us all over any main platform you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you choose to listen. Just look up Off the Bench and you can listen to all episodes over 98 plus, 99 later this afternoon. And you can check us out later that day. So check us out there again. That is all major podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Subscribe to us there and listen to the song, and we'll be right back after the break. And we are back here on Off the Bench. My name is Hayden Joyner, joined with Chris Fortenberry and Liam Worley. And for NFL free agency has kind of slowed down a little bit. Not as many trades coming out. It's now a few weeks into since it kicked off uh, in mid-March. Uh, a storyline that's kind of been following that we've been following that the NFL has been following this entire time is what is going to happen to Lamar Jackson. It was kind of signed to that weird exclusive franchise tag, whatever you want to call it. Non-exclusive, non-exclusive franchise, franchise tag. tag, where he's committed to the Ravens, but he can still look for other teams. I think there's only been one quarterback in the history of the NFL that's ever switched teams after getting the non-exclusive tag. So Lamar's kind of in limbo land right now. He has ties to the Ravens. John Harbaugh, head coach, and all the. Uh, uh, squad there, front office there in Baltimore, say they, they love him, they're committed to him, uh, but a lot's come out recently. Lamar especially come out and said that he asked for a trade from the Ravens, I think in early March, and he also said that they need to cut the cheese, uh, paraphrasing there, in regards to teams worried about his injury history. So I'll ask both of y'all, what do we think is going to happen with Lamar? He's kind of, him and Aaron Rodgers are kind of the two quarterbacks right now that a lot of teams are just kind of waiting to see they're what up happens They're up in limbo. With. Yeah, it's like the Jets... 
we think have Aaron Rodgers. They haven't got him yet. We think the Ravens have Lamar. They could still lose him. And it kind of puts a lot of questions, like if the Ravens do lose Lamar, what do they do? They don't have a draft pick to really get a quarterback. It's kind of late to trade for any decent ones because they've gone and been dealt with. Same with the Jets. If you don't get Aaron Rodgers and he just decides to pull the plug and retire for all we know, you know, what are the Jets' options to do? So start staying with Lamar Jackson here. What what do we truly think is going to happen right now? Because he's requested a trade. It means he doesn't really want to be there, especially after the franchise tag. There is always the thoughts of him sitting out this season in protest. What do you think is going to happen? I really only think that the Ravens is the viable option this year. Mm-hmm. I think next year, you know, things could happen to where people are, you know, show promise and have promise in their teams, but, you know, aren't set on something else. I feel like every mo- – I'd say all the teams right now, aside from New York and, well, really just New York Jets, I think all the other teams kind of have something figured out to where they have people that are going to start that are already on the team or they're going to draft somebody. I mean, you know, there's probably going to be three rookies that mm-hmm. start, you know, may, maybe more. Uh, I mean, the Falcons came out and said that Desmond Ritter is going to go ahead and start, and they yeah. did pick up Taylor Heineke, and that was Lamar Jackson's, you know, preferred the- landing spot mm-hmm. for a while. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think he sticks it out. And the Ravens really haven't done anything, you know, this offseason that's been noteworthy either. I mean, and they let go Calais Campbell today. So. They did sign uh, Nelson Aguilar. Oh, yeah, he's a oh, freaking pound. Oh, really? The difference maker. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. That's like, sad thing is that's probably like the third best receiver that Lamar would ever throw to if he stays at the Ravens. So, I think you'd be right. it's tough. Yeah, I mean, you know, DeAndre Hopkins talked about going there, which may it probably won't happen but may you know help Lamar a little bit I don't know man it's just not it's not been a good situation for a while so I'll be interested to see how it progresses I don't know it's like if you look at Lamar and it's kind of like nobody nobody wants him yeah and to me I guess it makes sense because well, I'm yeah. I'm in the same boat I mean it's kind of clear no receiver wants to play with him that's any good because if they did want to they would have done it by now and no GM or coach wants him Obviously, because he ain't been being signed. He's not being pursued. Everyone's dropping out of the race because they know, for mm-hmm. one, the guy's always hurt now. Yeah. And two, he's just, I think everyone's seen, he's just not, like, going to win you games when it counts. I think he's a great talent. I think he's very, very good um, with the ball in his hands, with making plays happen, extending drives. But I don't think he possesses the traits to win the big-time games. And I think looking at that overall, these guys are like, okay, we're just going to, keep what we have and try and find the guy that fits the criteria that can win us those games. Because it's great and all to have these guys who can make plays and are flashy, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really pan out and work. I mean, you see the Ravens had them for, what, five seasons now? Drafts in 18, so yeah. Five, and they've gotten – I mean, how what have they really gained from it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they haven't – I mean, he's he's missed it like it feels like half a season. I mean, yeah. Besides the MVP year, the number one overall seed in the, mm-hmm. in the conference, you lose to the Titans. Um, I think we're a six seed, I believe, in that in that in that playoff. Yeah. Besides that, I mean, you haven't won the they haven't won the, the division since the Bengals have now emerged as you know the clear runners in that division, and the Ravens are not kind of playing second fiddle. Really, the last couple of years they've been playing like third fiddle, fighting over with the Steelers and the Browns for like best of the rest, which isn't a big accomplishment in the AFC North because the Bengals just run away with it. 
I mean, yeah, they've really done nothing. And, and Lamar, at, at least the last two, it could be the last three seasons if my memory's not foggy, where Tyler Huntley or somebody's had to come in for the last six weeks, seven weeks, and they go from, you know, division winner, contender, fighting for the two or three seed in the playoffs to being out of the playoffs, like, immediately, or being a wild-card team at best. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, just it's, his style of play is going to get you hurt. Um, and it's just inevitable, you know what I'm saying? And I don't know. I feel like, like I said, all these guys are dropping out of the race just because it doesn't benefit them. It's not worth it to go pay him the money that he is seeking, you know, to do what he's been doing the past five years now, which is not win anything in the playoffs and not finishing the season. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's just yeah. what everybody's looking at. I th- I do think it's his, his injury woes. If he would stay healthy, I mean, he would be, you know, probably a top five borderline quarterback year in, year out, but he can't stay healthy. And, you know, he hasn't had too many weapons to, like, you know, become a steady top five quarterback. I mean, he's had to do more and more on him, which stresses his body more and has broken his body at this point. So I understand teams' apprehension to not get him. Uh, I mean, I think something would have happened, had to have happened quick in this free agency for him to have left. So I'm, I'm sticking with the Ravens. Yeah, it's just it, it, staying with the Ravens is the safe option. If there is any people, any teams out there who are even considering a trade at this point in time, the Patriots have kind of emerged as a team that's leading the way. Bill Belichick said uh, recently, in, you know, a kind of Bill Belichick way that you know he does believe Lamar's a good player and he's kind of open to options. Um, he's open to looking at any good players that are available in free agency, which is kind of a really cliche thing for a coach to say. But it was brought up kind of that you know the Patriots are somewhat interested there. Uh, Robert Kraft has kind of said these kind of not no win now mode with Bill Belichick, but, you know, they kind of feel like, you know, get something going. It's been a few years without Brady now. They haven't really pushed anything too far in the playoffs or in the regular season. Mac Jones doesn't seem to be working out. So they might be on the on the, the train to get Lamar. They've shown in the past they're not fra- afraid to get a, a rushing quarterback of his stature, obviously signing Cam Newton in 2020. And I don't think that counts. I mean, they were rolling with him for a while. I mean, I think they were just desperate. Yeah. They, they, didn't have they were desperate and, like, I mean, Cam – is kind of a buffoon. I mean, he was he's still <laughs> trying to get on a team right now. I mean, I, I like him because he went to Auburn, but if he didn't go to Auburn, I don't think I would like him. I mean, so. if he goes to New England, what's going to change? I mean, he has Juju, who's like, I would say average now. Yeah, he's and then like, you know, kind of Hollywood Brown tier. Jacoby Myers. and uh, Jacoby yeah. still there, or did he get traded? Maybe he got. I who was know. the guy who stayed? There's two that were very similar. Kendrick uh, Bourne's still there. That's right. Okay. Jacoby Myers got traded. Kendrick Bourne's still there. So, yeah. They're I mean, like the same receiver to me. The, the thing and, Lamar's and Keel Harry, maybe? Something like that. I thought he left. I don't know. I thought he went to the Bears. Oh, McKeel yes, Harry's yes, yes, the Bears. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 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 He got traded midseason last year. Jacoby Myers got traded to or let maybe the Raiders, to the Raiders or something? Yeah. Raiders. And they Raiders. kept Kendrick Bourne. That's right. Yeah. I mean, with, with Lamar, if he's wanting to, to pursue the, the trade – you know, the trading block to, to switch teams. He has to kind of put himself in the, in the situation of if he goes to the Patriots or if the Titans are open or any other team in, in the AFC or NFC, he has to think, can he build himself a career in this place, a career that's going to be better than what he could have done in Baltimore? Because Baltimore, I mean, they've been a contending team for decades now. They're not ever in a rebuilding situation, it seems. They never they always seem to have a strong front office. John Harbaugh is still a good coach in this league. They're smart with the offensive scheme. I mean, even without the good receivers, it's been a competent offense. Like I said, an offense that's competed for the number one seed in the, in the tough AFC ever since Lamar's gotten there. It's just been the injuries that kind of fall apart for him and the Baltimore Ravens every single season. So he's got to, he has to go to a place where the front office and the coach trusts him, and that could be New England. It could be Tennessee, like I mentioned earlier. It could be really anywhere 
Uh, the contenders are kind of up in the air right now of who's really interested in him because a lot of teams are staying pretty quiet because you don't want to get it out there that you know you want to trade for him because Lamar's going to get desperate. He doesn't have an agent, so he's doing his own kind of negotiating. <laughs> forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah, forgot about that one. There you go. So I really don't know what what his plan the is. Most the thing that makes the team that makes the most sense is Commanders, but I don't think they're going to do it. They're not. No. They got everything but a quarterback. Yeah, that's they, the only thing that they need and an owner. But they're trying. That's, well, he just got, they just got enough money they to buy got, him out, right? They yeah. just got a $6 billion bid. Mm-hmm. Everyone's scared that, like, Jeff Bezos is going to swoop in with, like, a $10 billion bid and take over the team. And Elon? Elon? Elon's Elon. talked about <laughs> buying Manchester United, so yeah. who knows? I think um, Commanders makes the most sense. But you know what I would love to see him go to? Pitt. Uh, go to Pittsburgh. Go Pitts. to your rival. Pity? Yeah. F the Ravens, right? If they didn't pick Kenny Pickett <laughs> last year, it would be... It'd it be a smart happened. move. I mean, that's a team. Are that's they like high on Kenny Pickett though? It's kind of like, I mean, he's like, ah, uh, he's all right. You've invested enough time and money into him right now that you gotta try him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. There's gonna be, you know, just as many teams in quarterback limbo this time next year, or not necessarily in limbo, but like, and not necessarily this time, but you know, a month <laughs> ago. Yeah. You know, next year. Stuff switches up all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. This. Bryce Young could get drafted by the Texans, be absolute dog water, and then they're right back in the mix next I year. I think I think they give him longer than a year. You yeah. you would think. I mean, Trevor had a horrendous I mean, first yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of people less deserving than Bryce Young who yeah, have I been mean, given second years. Peyton Manning had 28 picks his first year, yeah. and they, they kept it, and look how look how that worked out. Yeah. R.I.P. Josh Rosen. Uh, he was <laughs> sadly <laughs> fell to the axe of of, of the first round or first round he was, quarterback. He was never going to be good. Yeah, good guy. He he's just funny. looked like trash. He's funny. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, poor Lamar. But anyway, <laughs> I want to jump into this other topic. Um, like obviously, it's kind of slowing down a bit. We were going to get into this last week. Uh, we didn't get to it, so I want to get to this week. Comparing some of the trades, some of the two biggest NFC teams that have made a lot of splash moves this season have been the Dallas Cowboys and the Carolina Panthers. Two teams that I think, you know, are kind of up there for, like, winners of free agency. We'll get into this later. But two teams that have done pretty good. Uh, some of the biggest additions they've gotten are two receivers, Brandon Cooks and Adam Thielen, both kind of in similar times of their careers, kind of later stages, mid to late stage. So coming on a new team and going into a role that they're going to be immediately, you know, thrown to the spotlight. Number one receiver for Carolina is going to be Adam Thielen this upcoming season. With D.J. Moore gone, he's now going to lead the way there with a the new quarterback. And for Brandon Cooks going to Dallas, he's going to be this, a very solid number two, it looks like there, behind C.D. Lamb. And uh, making C.D. Lamb like a, a firm number one with a solid number two is going to be an interesting dynamic there. Hasn't happened uh, in Dallas uh, yet so far. And for Brandon Cooks, he's a number two receiver for I don't know if he's ever really been a number two. Obviously, with the Saints, with the Patriots, with the Rams, he's kind of been like the main guy. Maybe with the Rams in his later stages with Cooper Cup, he was a two. But was he ever? Was he at the on the Saints with Thomas, Michael Thomas? I mean, he that was, might have been before he was drafted. He was longer. drafted the year when was, before Michael Thomas was he? Okay, Thomas he was drafted in sixteen, and I think he got drafted in like fourteen or fifteen. Cooks so, is he's thirty yeah. now, <clears throat> twenty nine. Right? Yeah, now. Michael Thomas is also thirty. Okay. So really? Yeah. So he might have been a two there. Crickets. There you go. Jeez. I didn't think he was that old. Yeah, he hasn't played since he was 25. That's fair. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much That's the fair. case. Yeah. So I wanted to compare these two signings, NFC teams, NFC teams that expect a lot this upcoming season. It looks like Panthers, you know, could be a playoff contender this year, by the way, it's of the AFC or the NFC South. But I'll ask you two first, because obviously I'll have a little bias towards this a tad. Yeah, you but won't But between think. Brandon Cooks and Adam Thielen, what do you believe was the better deal? Um value wise and all of that in consideration. I'll remind you, 
Brandon Cooks was traded from the Texans to the Cowboys for a 2023 fifth-round pick and a 2024 sixth-round pick. He's on an $18 million contract currently. Cowboys set to pay $12 million of that. Um, it's his last year on a two-year deal that was created by the Texans last year. Adam Thielen, meanwhile, was released by the Vikings, signed as a free agent with the Panthers on a three-year, three $25 million deal. So what do you think is the better deal going forward for either of these teams? Uh, I mean... <laughs> it's Adam Thielen and Brandon Cooks. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, yeah. I don't know if you can say, well, that's a great. Yeah, if this pickup. was five years ago, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there would be like a lot more optimism. Yeah, I mean, both guys, I would say, are past their primes, and I mean, are just looking to uh, help out in any way that they can for their teams that, that they're now on. I guess Brandon Cooks has an easier job because he's going into a offense that's already been established and has the players kind of set in place. And he, all he has to do is kind of compliment C.D. Lamb the best mm -hmm. way that he can and just do his job and help out Dak in any way, shape, or form that he is able to do with his abilities. And Adam Thielen has to take over the number one receiver role for the first time, I believe, in his career for maybe ever. That's what I was thinking. In a while. Yeah, first time um, ever. And he's got to do it with a rookie quarterback, most likely. And I don't know how that's going to go with everything Carolina's got going on. Basically, an entire new offense compared to last year. So that'll be that'll be exciting to see how well they mesh together. All new players, all new faces in that system. So I don't know. I'd say Brandon Cooks has the easier job and is probably the better signing, but we have to kind of wait and see how that all unfolds. But uh, without a good receiver to compliment Adam Thielen, I think uh, it'll in the long run when we look back on it or after this year, we'll see that Brandon Cooks was the better signing. But, I mean, in reality, he's got a much easier job mm -hmm. to – compliment that team yeah he definitely has an easier job but I think I don't know I think Adam Thielen will probably play out better in the long run for multiple reasons and uh I mean I think he's got a little more job security right now than what Brandon Cooks does you know he's making fair money uh and you know I think Carolina's kind of picked him up as somewhere to where he can end his career and kind of, you know, advise some of these younger receivers. I mean, they've just brought in DJ Shark uh, earlier this week as well, mm -hmm. which is, a you know, another fair pickup. Terrace Marshall will probably be their, their third starter unless they uh, draft somebody, you know, worth the hoop. But I doubt that'll happen. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't see much from Brandon Cooks these days. I used to be really high on him back in the Saints and Rams days and, you know, maybe even a little bit the Patriots days as well. But, you know, then he started to kind of decline mm -hmm. in his production. You know, he's still a really, you know, consistent guy, but he's not flashy. So I think he's going to kind of also, you know, help CD in some aspects to where CD can be better. And uh, it'll pr he'll probably be a good, good piece for Dak to throw to consistently because, I mean, he's a veteran in the league to where CD's a little more, uh, you know, sporadic maybe because he puts too much faith in CD to catch these balls and, you know, tight situations and whatnot mm -hmm. when CD's still learning. But he gets whacked. He does. He, he does. Whacked. He gets hit. You as, can make a highlight tape of yeah. how many times CD Lamb's absolutely gotten leveled. I mean, I mean, he's this, a small guy, too. He's not even that big. Yeah, he I mean. He gets leveled. Yeah, they need, to, they need to work on their chemistry a bit. Dak needs to work on his progressions, and I think Brandon Cooks will help out. All but. I know is I'm just very excited to hear how Brandon Cooks is the guy at fault for Dak's <laughs> interceptions oh, this yeah? year. Yeah. If he drops one ball and it gets picked, oh, my God, it's game over. Hey, he, hey Noah, <laughs> Noah Brown went to Houston, funny enough, so so there you go. This is true. Good. I'm excited for him in yeah. Houston. He's going to do a really good job on special teams and blocking <laughs> uh, blocking 
downfield. That's pro- prominently. I mean, who's number one in tech in Houston right now, receiver wise? Is it you know? <laughs> hold on, they're gonna draft it. That's it, who it's it, gonna it, be. It, I'd hope hold so. on, hold on, hold on. Mechie, is it, Mechie? no, 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 no. Mechie no. didn't play last year. I know, but it's that's all they got. Hold on, he was in my. Uh, it might be Nico Collins oh, or yeah, something. Yeah, Nico yeah, yeah. Collins. He Nico. was in my uh, my grid trivia. It'll so that's how be I know that. Nico Mechie. There's and somebody else in the guy they drafted 12. I swear there's no there's somebody else, let which me, is probably Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, let me. I swear there's another receiver. I'll hear. I'm here. Robert Woods. Panthers might shock the world and draft Bryce Young. Mm, mm. I kind of seen a little something like that. Did y'all see Hinton Hooker jumping up the boards? They have yeah. him going as high as five now. Dude, what? I'm, t- I'm here like, for it. He's like the QB three now. I love it. I think Hinton Hooker's a dog. Yeah, I've... Did I, it, did I it, look at Hooker and I just see Josh Dobbs. That's what I. That's did he, what I did see. he have a? Pro- Josh Dobbs is a beautiful man that just got <laughs> traded to the Browns. <laughs> I mean, I love Josh Dobbs. <laughs> but did that's he, what did, I see. Was there, did he have a pro day? Hendon Hooker recently? Yeah. Because I mean, a lot did. of the, a lot of the guy. I know. I know Stroud, Young, and Levis had pro days recently. I don't know about. Yeah, your boy's falling hard, man. Yeah, he. If I remember from the pro day, from what I saw. He he mentioned in the offseason that like he really wanted to like highlight that he was the strongest arm in the history of the NFL, which he showed pretty well in the pro day. But from a lot of the stuff I was reading from the experts who were there and watching is that he kind of emphasizes like his power a little bit too much on throws, and he doesn't he's not able to. It's like overthrowing guys. Not necessarily overthrowing, but it's the like accuracy. Then it's like it's like he's always holding down the button a little too long in Madden. You know, like uh, he doesn't yeah. know when to like. It's not a green bean. He doesn't know when to float yeah. it or so just no to touch. Like, yeah, he has a bad yeah. Touch no green word. bean. He's kind of worse on the touch, so that kind of knocked him a little bit. I heard Bryce Young and Stroud had pretty decent ones. I, if Hendon Hooker had like the most elite pro day in history, and he shot up the boards number three, uh, that's the only explanation I can have. Because I mean, he's been a solid like what second round guy, third round guy this entire yeah, late second, draft process. early third. Yep. I guess I don't know. I the draft process is so weird because it doesn't matter like how good a player is. It's like if everyone just hypes the guy up and mm-hmm. everyone starts thinking it, then that's who is going to be in the top. Like well, yeah. like I said, like we said with Zach Wilson, no business even being a second round pick. Was, yeah, and Josh, he was second. Josh Rosen, Mitch Trubisky, all yeah, these I mean, guys. Well, we say this about like Le- like Levis and Levis wasn't when he came to Kentucky from Penn State. He had his good twenty twenty one year. Nobody really considered him to be like a you know a high-round draft pick. I mean, he was a good quarterback, but no one considered him a high-round draft pick. Then all of a sudden, the offseason happened. People watched his tape from, I think, like the Georgia game, especially Florida game, where he looked pretty good against elite defenses. And all of a sudden, you had analysts saying, he's actually good. He could be the number one overall pick for all we care. And then other people copied that, copied that. And then all of a sudden, everyone's yeah, like, Will Levis, Will Levis could be the steal of the draft. And then that continued all the way into the fall. And then people were like, well, wait a second. He's not as good as we think. He might be. He's gonna be Zach Wilson. He's gonna be Zach Wilson. That caught fire. Now all of a sudden he went from nobody to number one overall pick to now like the worst quarterback, Zach Wilson, in this draft. So yeah, that just much. shows you the power of you know speak can just carry on and influence every single I mean, quote that's said. We had one year where Jake Fromm was projected to be the number one <laughs> overall pick, and now look at look at old buddy from State Farm. Yeah, he's still in the league. I don't know if he's still in the league. I think not. he might is be. It, is AJ McCarron still in the league? No, he went to the that I know he's XFL. Been like, I think he's in the XFL because okay. he could have. He said he could have stayed and made more money, but he wanted his mm-hmm. kids to see him play football before he retired. And uh, fair enough. Yeah, I, I think he did a, a good move. I mean, I'm yeah. not. I think that was great. He took less money, went and did it for his kids. Mm-hmm. Awesome job, great dad. Well done, AJ McCarron. Yeah, good for him. I'll ask y'all. I mean, obviously, with with the whole comparing Brandon Cooks and Adam Thielen deals, was this a disappointing free agency? Yeah, I mean, because I mean, when we were going into it, or free agency and trading, you know, we were thinking like DeAndre Hopkins is going to get traded, Stefan 
uh, uh, Stephon Diggs was kind of like iffy in Baltimore. Uh, he he kind of ended nowhere. it. People thought that he might be dealt as at least a wide receiver. Odell Beckham's had his whole thing where he's going to get signed. Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. And it's kind of like everything either didn't happen or is just in limbo and we're waiting for it to happen. And, I mean, you think about at least the wide receivers who are usually pr- pr- pretty splashy in free agency, quarterbacks as well. The biggest quarterback signing was, what, Derek Carr so far? Yeah. And the biggest wide receiver signing was I what? Know. I'd say Jimmy G with everything he's got going along with him. It's those two, Did yeah. you hear what was offered to him mm-hmm. to go to Vegas? Probably me and Malkova or somebody. Uh, well, basically, <laughs> I said it on the show. He yeah, was we offered discovered this on the show. Free sex for life by a Las Vegas brothel. Yeah. Yeah. He hangs out with like Mia Malkova yeah. and freaking a lot of stars in yeah. the industry. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone so, knows what we're talking about. I mean, by God, he's a punk, dude. I don't they, like they that offer, guy at they all. They offer these things after he got traded. So like, where's the where's the thought process? No, That's you gotta lure him to choose no. to be traded. It's dude, Jimmy G, bro. He paid to go to Vegas. Is what happened. <laughs> he, he knew. Paid. He 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 paid. He, he knew the Raiders to take him so he could do some of these antics. <laughs> Honestly, That's what he, happened. I think he knows that they're going to draft a, a new guy, yeah. a rookie this year, and yeah. he could just like play like average yeah. ball and then just have the best job yeah. in football of being a backup quarterback, yeah. not getting hit, Frickin making tons of money. Internet and sensation. Yeah. 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 And he ain't trying to get He's, hit. Yeah, the Raiders are in like, they've been in like quarterback purgatory for so long. Like they're not burning in hell, but they're not celebrating in heaven either. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, a lot. there's a couple teams like that. Yeah. Man. I mean, they have great pieces. I mean, Josh Jacobs, but be- yeah, Josh Jacobs was uh, the best running back in the league this past year. Tay Adams has been a top three guy. Max Crosby's a stud. Now. Yeah. I mean, Waller's gone now, but it's he all is, right. Dude, he's so overhyped. Yeah. But he's dude, that's because there's only like two good tight ends in the league. Well, I mean, Waller never, Never plays, man. He's yeah. always hurt. Well, the thing about, the thing about Waller is that, I mean, he was on a cheap deal relative, to, especially for how good he was in there in Las Vegas. Really the only piece you have left, I mean, Devontae Adams was good, but Darren Waller was still, I mean, of tight ends in the league, like you won a good tight end. It's kind of benefited a lot of teams. Yeah. He was, I mean, he was a solid three or four in the league. You trade him for nothing to to New York, and now you're just what you have Tay Adams. Then what? You got, you, you picked up Robert Tanyan. Like, freaking Jacob- Jacoby Myers. I mean, they, That's what you picked up. Did they get Tanya or am I thinking I somebody the else? Bears no, the Tanya. Bears got Tanya. I'm, I'm, I'm mixing my Bobby? Bobby. Bobby. Bobby Wagner back at the Seahawks. Yeah. That He's makes my idiot. heart happy. He's an idiot. He should have stayed there from the get-go. He goes to the ah, Rams. Austin Hooper is who the, Ram, or the, the Raiders got. That's what I was thinking of. Goes to <sighs> the Rams, man, and plays for that bum team who just won a Super Bowl, and he tries to piggyback off that and win another I hope they win another ring, and that was a disaster. Now he's back where he should have stayed from the get-go. It's fine. Who are we talking about? Bob, Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner. Yeah. yeah. It happens. I like Bobby Wagner. <laughs> I don't like those guys who go to the teams that are already winning, man. Well, it's like Kevin all Durant. of professional sports these days. I Just swear. That's the NBA. You see it everywhere. NBA. You Well, you see it in MLB, NFL, NBA, soccer. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the big I mean, four. You want to go to the big – NHL You want to go to the best teams, but you also don't want to sell yourself out. When we saw some crazy trades in NHL, I don't even keep up with that nonsense. You know, I appreciate appreciate Dame. He's had many opportunities to go other places and win. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate He's Dame. like, no, yeah. I'm staying here in Portland, and I'm going to do my due but diligence. But he's miserable. He's, you know what, though? He's miserable, but he's loyal. But he's, you can respect the heck out of That's that That's probably guy. just because there's lots of legal things to do out there in Portland that aren't legal elsewhere. Maybe so. But, hey, at least, at least he stuck it out with his team. Fair. He ain't winning. He ain't winning nothing. No. Man, I, I respect Dane. He had, like, decisions. one decent try. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, yeah. Heck of a player. 
I mean, if, if I'd go out on my career rather, you know, instead of being a sellout, Kevin Durant, go out as a respectable guy who led his team the best he could. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I respect Dame's career way more than Kevin Durant's. I'd say it's a very easy estimate to make. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you if you poll people like just genuine folks, you know, who know who aren't like bandwagon fans and you ask them, you know, who do you like more? I, it's probably like a 70 30 for mm-hmm. Dame. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, easily. I see it. Let's get into a last little topic here. Winners and losers of free agency. I know y'all got a little teams written down. Hey, I wanted to talk about my boy. Oh, Zeke? Yeah. Okay, yes, let's touch on Zeke. I don't have anything to say. Well, it came out a few weeks ago. I think it was before last week's show, but we didn't get to it last week. Um, he's narrowed his options down as a free agent now. He's kind of reported that he's going to either sign with the Eagles, the Bengals, or the Jets. Those are kind of the teams that he's looking at. And a few more reports that have come out in the last couple of days say that with the Bengals, it's, quote, looming large, that that's going to be where he chooses to sign, uh, going with Joe Burrow and, and that squad down there in Cincinnati. What do we think? Obviously, Chris, I know, I know my man Zeke. You know your man Zeke. Liam doesn't care about his man Zeke. What do He's you not think? my man's. Uh, I, I think I called it. I said as soon you as did. he was cut, I wanted him to go to the Bengals. Two weeks ago. It made ago. sense, yeah. yeah. And yeah. obviously. Goes there. Or yeah, maybe I mean, three weeks ago. Yeah. Three back, weeks ago. As soon as it happened, I was yeah. like, Bengals, baby, come on. Make it happen. It made sense. And, yeah, with Joe Mixon and his debacle he's got going on, going back to the state of Ohio Debacle's where he had to put it. the most success of his career, I would say, mm-hmm. I mean, up until hometown. Yeah, I mean, not hometown, but well, home state. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, yeah, college state at yeah. least. Um, hometown team because the Browns don't count. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a, they're a great team, and he's gonna play with. Uh, I I don't think he ever overlapped with Burrow. He might have overlapped with Burrow when it's Burrow like a, first got there. Maybe I don't know. That's no, a, it'd, it'd be uh, it'd be sketchy. I don't. He was he drafted does. in sixteen. I don't think Burrow I, was there. I I doubt it. I doubt it. Burrow yeah. at least came. Maybe like a spring camp or Burrow something. Burrow was there like a year a year or two before Dwayne Haskins. And Haskins was drafted in 18. Or 19. 19. Played in 18. They might have been on the same field for like, oh, Z- he may have been Zeke's there like coming on a back visit. for the spring game <laughs> and, and Burrow's visiting the spring yeah. game in yeah. 26. Maybe something so. like that. It, yeah. But uh, faint overlap. Buck, they're both Buckeyes. Um, the defensive guys that are there, well, not Von Bell, but Sam Hubbard still. Uh, I think it'll be cool, him being back in the state of Ohio playing, and hopefully he can get his number fifteen back. That would be that would be really cool. I think he said he wants fifteen yeah. back. Twenty one's already taken from the Cowboys. They snatched that up real quick. Yeah, uh, I think it was Gilmore took cut. Really? Yeah, Stephon Gilmore took. Dang. Cut. So, but yeah, Zeke's gonna hopefully rock the fifteen and the Bengals all white unis that I can't wait to see. And uh, I'm excited. I was happy with the Eagles because of how good their O line is. Mm-hmm. And kind of a fu to the Cowboys for cutting him. Be a big fu, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I think the Bengals makes the most sense. That's where he's going to go, and he'll do well there. I yeah, really do. of the three remaining teams, I'd choose Cincinnati personally because one, the Eagles, screw the Eagles, screw Philadelphia fans. They don't, they don't deserve the joy that signing Zeke would bring them. Yep. Um, the Jets because Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's not. You happening. know, we don't. We I don't want that. I think it was just a name thrown in the hat just for fun. Yeah, I think Cincinnati is the best place for him to go. Like you said, with the Joe Mixon shenanigans going on currently, and the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys have said they're open to re-signing him. Apparently, they never yeah. offered. Yeah, I him. saw that. I saw that on Instagram yeah. today. Apparently, they never offered him a pay cut contract. They just cut him. Yeah, which that so, could. They, so don't traitor me. Yeah, hey, don't sit here and say don't Bernie me. Yeah, Fair exactly. Enough. You I, know hey, who the traitors are. Hey, I didn't know that. Turn well, your back on like, Zeke. Uh, yeah, the Cowboys said. Today that they would open, be, be have open, to it, yeah. open arms for Zeke to come back, dude. I hope he which never to me comes is back. 
I hope that's double cross and low key. Well, it it happened to Darius Slay this past offseason where he got cut by the Eagles, re signed. Just Mm -hmm. because, you know, if you can't make an agreement, you know, you cut him, let him explore options, but you can also explore coming back. If anything, you could see it as a nice thing because he's letting the they're letting the player explore their own options Mm -hmm. while also welcoming them back. Mm -hmm. Welcoming yeah, they could say that now. When the time comes, you think they're gonna do it? Heck no. If we if the if Dallas did re-sign Zeke, he'd have a similar role to what he had last year, just a little less first down touches. Because nobody wants that. Yeah, well, what if he goes to Cincy and just pops off? And then Dallas is like, well, maybe. If he goes we to Cincy and has like and just has a resurgence of like a one thousand twelve hundred yard back, I'd eat a shoe. Like that's not gonna happen in Cincinnati. You never know, man. I mean, the thing is, is now that he's going to a like a a threat quarterback. I hope it's a, a deep, ra- I hope it gets a threat. I mean, yeah. ev- the safeties. No one's gonna be playing up on that team. Like, yeah, Zeke should have. It's not like Joe Burrow is gonna be pulling back though to hand off. No, no, no. But Zeke. I'm saying when he does hand it off, yeah, it's gonna be like Joe Mixon has looked good in his time mm-hmm. for Cincinnati, and that guy is like average. Yeah, he's not that good. No, I mean he was. I mean, he had a 55 fantasy point game this year. I'd say yeah. he's been slightly above average. Everywhere he's been, well, which is only Oklahoma and yeah. Cincinnati. So but. that's what I'm saying. Like with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins there, and Boyd still there, mm-hmm. and Joe Burrow with his arm talent. I mean, it should make it easier for Zeke to run. Yeah, gives him a 15 back, and they're building up that O line too. So. Yeah, get a get a zero. You can get zero now. Yeah, I saw that. We've had we had one Buckeye choose zero. Paris Campbell for the, on the Giants now. He's going to be zero. Calvin Ridley number zero. Yeah, for the Jags. I heard Micah Parsons said he might switch to zero. He like tweeted out that like he's go, he's going for it, which cold and pretty cool. No uh, linebackers with zero scare me. Yeah, because Owen Papo was number zero, and that yeah. kid's I a heard, eater. I heard Micah said he's using the number to represent how many sacks he's going to get next year. No, oh, wow. And also, a, how many a, how many Super Bowl rings the Dallas Cowboys uh, are planning to win in the next twenty years? Oh my! There's a joke in anybody. There's a joke with Calvin Ridley somewhere in there too. I'm sure. Zero amount of dollars he's going to bet on himself next yeah. season. <laughs> I hope he does. Did, 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 did it come out that like did he win whatever bet he made? I feel like I saw probably not. I, I saw some offhanded Twitter or Reddit post where it was like he like like I think it was a quote from him or something that might have been fake, but it was like I don't care. That I guess it's been I won four million or something like that from whatever he played. Yeah. So it is what it is. Um, winners and losers of free agency. I know y'all got some written down. Uh, I got I, some written down. Liam. Yeah, I got. I, I mean, you were, you were you were bugging about it earlier. Yeah, I got more more winners and losers than I probably should have <laughs> came up with. Well, so I, give me your number one. Number one winner. I'm you, gonna get, I'm gonna say all of my winners and then I'll dive into my number okay. one. Okay. okay. So winners, I got Bears, Panthers, Lions, Jets, and we were just talking about another team that I. have thought was a winner too losers i got ravens raiders falcons and packers and vikings too okay uh so for my winner you have the falcons on there Mm -hmm. mm-hmm well yeah they haven't really got anybody they got a lot of defense i think right yeah but i mean they got their they announced today they're starting desmond ritter so my they did pick up calais campbell i heard that yeah that'll be a good leader deal yeah so my biggest winner it's pretty much the bears and the panthers tied you know, they, I think they did a good bit of business. You know, it's going to – the Bears have a lot of pieces flowing in the right direction. If they wouldn't have gotten rid of any of their defensive pieces this year, they would they would be decent next year. Still made no sense yeah, to me. Yeah, it doesn't. It still doesn't. So, uh, you know, they have lots of first-round picks, second-round picks in the upcoming drafts that they can use to be, to be good. And they have D.J. Moore, who's, you know, a top-15-esque receiver in the league. So uh, – 
And the Panthers, I mean, they picked up a lot of just solid players. I mean, Thielen, DJ Shark, Miles Sanders on a deal is pretty good. Von Bell. Uh, and, you know, we'll see the, the – I mean, the number one draft pick is going to, mm-hmm. you know, determines whether they do real well or not. So, it's uh, between those two, I'm very excited to see both of those teams play this year. Yeah, I mean, I my winner, the one I had written down was the Chicago Bears. Um, Ryan Pohl, second year as a GM, he's really turned the franchise around. I mean, they looked good last year with Fields. And, I mean, just a kickoff rate and see what the Bears – we all knew – once they claimed their one overall pick, that the decision of do you risk this choice of keeping Fields or do you go with Bryce Young or Stroud or trying to do the you know the whole reset thing, that decision was to be made. Uh, I think they made the right decision in keeping Justin Fields, and especially in hindsight with the haul they got from the number one overall pick trade, it was certainly the right decision. Uh, you know, the number nine overall, you only drop back eight spots. You get a late second round pick this year as well, a 2024 first, a 2025 second, and you throw in DJ Moore, which is basically like getting another first round pick anyway. No, he was drafted in the first round, so yeah. yeah. I mean, in one trade that we all kind of saw the Bears making, but we didn't know how big of a splash it was going to be. I mean, the Bears went from being, you know, bottom team in the the league last year to now being a contender for the playoffs, I feel like. Because you give give Justin Fields number one receiver. You also bring in, you know, Robert Tanya, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Deontay Foreman for the running back, uh, still young guy in his prime, can make stuff happen, had a good year last year for the Panthers for a little bit of that. Importantly, you got Nate Davis, offensive line from the Titans. He's been a solid piece up as well. Uh, T.J. Edwards from the Eagles linebacker, as well as Tremaine Edmonds from the, uh, the Bills. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned. Yeah, Tremaine Edmonds was a good They just seemed like, I mean, they did all the right moves. If Ryan they could have picked up Orlando Brown, too, that would have been yeah, sick. Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, Ryan Poles has quickly become one of the GMs in this league that I really like. Uh, anything that like the Bears have done recently, like I just it's good business, man. Yeah, it's they're doing smart stuff. Finally, I mean, you, know, you got I mean, to, to uh, get back on the track. Call me crazy, but their biggest contender in that division next year is Detroit. Yeah. I think the Packers, if they lose Aaron, aren't going to be good. And I think Minnesota's taking a step back. I think their go for glory is kind of done. And yeah. I was reading something about that today, and it sold me on it. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was really shocked to see Detroit, though, give up Jamal Williams. I was it's too. okay. I, I mean, they, I mean DeAndre, Swift is just they, like, they believe in DeAndre, DeAndre Swift. He's homegrown yeah, talent. He's, he's had shine before. He was supposed to be really, really good this year, though, yeah. and he took a backseat to Jamal because Jamal really outshined him this past season. Mm-hmm. Right. And getting in the end zone and, and His personality is yeah. kind of what stole the show, and then the results came in, and yeah. people were like, oh, had, wow, taking notice. Yeah. That's insane. It's like second or something in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Who's I your winner? I thought the Saints should have been on there. I really thought they did a good job. Yeah. Uh, they got they got a lot of good pieces coming back uh, and already on that team. And I've always felt like their defense was solid for the cap space that they had. They did they did they better did, than they, they did should have. Good. I mean, yeah. they got a I think the most motivated quarterback in all of the NFL mm-hmm. uh, and Derek Carr. I think there's no oh, person yeah. more motivated than Carr to prove himself as a as what everyone thought he was going to be with Devontae Adams. I mean, because he had a good season prior, and everyone thought he was going to go off with Devontae, and he just kind of let everybody down. And now that he's out of the place he's always wanted to be and loved, you know, now he's kind of on his revenge tour. And now he's he's also got great weapons there, too. He's got Michael Thomas coming back, who's also on a revenge tour, prove-it season, trying to get his name back in the top mix. Of it's been funny when he's like, in the first five games. Yeah, we'll we'll that's been said the last three years. Well, I mean, when he plays, he's great. It's just he doesn't play. Yeah. And that's the problem. But, I mean... He's got the receptions record, and he did phenomenal things yes. when he was playing for this season. And then Chris Olave, top two receiver, uh, rookie receivers last year. You yep. could argue better than Garrett 
They both played at a very high level, and he's looking to help Derek Carr out and and help that offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then like you said, Jamal Williams, Jamal Williams, Alvin Kamara. If Alvin Kamara doesn't get in trouble for whatever he did last season, he didn't seem to have any problems playing last year. Um, he just didn't play. Yeah, right. He just didn't play very yeah. well. But you can chalk that up to having Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston back there mm-hmm. and just having a tough season first year head coach. So now we're looking at two great running backs, two great receivers, a lot going on, solid defensive pieces. Could be yeah. good for the Saints. I think yeah. they were a winner for me in free agency. Yeah. The, the talk with New Orleans with cap space you know, going into the year was that you know they were in the negative. They're having to shell out contracts. They got big contracts. They kind of got to gotta move on from Alvin Kamara, Cameron Jordan, stuff like that, where it's affecting their cap space. I think they did a good job, like you said, with the cap space that they had to, to get some pieces. De- get Derek Carr. You know, he'll be their best quarterback they've had in a while since Drew Brees, I'd argue. And that you know, just pure pure success. I thought there as well. I'll go back to the Bears for a second with cap space. They entered the off season with the most cap space, and in Bears fashion, you could have seen them shelling out way too much money for Brandon Cooks or Jacoby Myers or something that wasn't going to help their team. And instead, they were smart about it. They got the assets, and they still have tons of cap space left that they can they can work around if they want to do something smart. But for Chicago, you know, going into this NFC uh, playoff race this upcoming season with you know DJ Moore. Uh, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool as your as your one, two, three on the receiver core for Justin Fields. I'd I'd say you feel pretty good about that. And as well, going back to New Orleans, like you were saying, Chris, Jamal Williams, big addition there. Michael Thomas coming back. Chris Olave, I think, is gonna take a big step. Um, I think he can be better than Garrett Wilson. I think he will be. Um, and so hopefully his Depends, step with Derek. They're Carr. both gonna have good quarterbacks there now. Yeah. Well we don't we don't we don't know what the Jets yet. We'd assume, but we know what assuming does. Yeah. I mean if I mean Garrett gets Aaron Rodgers, I think he's yeah. top ten. Yeah. He solidifies himself in the top ten. And they got Mecole Hardman, which is a solid pickup. They got Sneaky rid of Elijah pick, yeah. Moore, who yeah, which was is probably toxic good. in the locker room last yeah. year. I don't get the ball, man. I mean, <laughs> Brees Hall, if he so can be good. healthy, he's so great. Good. So, yeah. yikers. We'll and they also got uh, Lazard, Randall mm-hmm. Cobb, I think they went and got. Right? I don't think he's been attained yet. They haven't got him yet? No, they, they got, got Lazard. I think they were, like, around the brink of getting Randall Cobb because yeah. he was on, like, that list that Aaron Rodgers allegedly made, which apparently – Who else did Rodgers claims he didn't make a list, but we all think he probably nah, did. it happened. Yeah, it totally yeah. happened. Um, the black yeah. hat man told him to make a list. Yeah, the black hat man told Randall him to make Cobb's a Randall Cobb's a free agent, though. They could just sign him. They could sign him, yeah. And they probably will if they get Rodgers just to make Rodgers happy. He can have his little poker group back. Um, I mean, all you have to do is pay him a million dollars, and Randall Cobb will be happy to not play football. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, for my winner, I was going to say the Bears. We kind of touched on that. I will highlight the, my Cowboys. I thought they did a good job this offseason. Um, not a lot of big pickups um, in in the trading block of agency, but they did sign a lot of guys that they needed to. Donovan Wilson, uh, Landon Vanderish, Trayvon Diggs is going to be up for a contract soon. Jonathan Hankins. Jonathan Hankins, they just got today. Yeah, you're right. So I thought I – thought, you know, Dan Quinn's staff, they did a good job getting their talent back. Defense that is we great. Needed. Defense I mean, looks solid. I love your defense. That's yeah. not the problem. Yeah. Defense is – I love watching it. We know how it works. But you just got <laughs> to hey, that I, I want Micah Parsons to get zero, and I'm already prepared for all the memes about him getting zero, but he'll <laughs> no, come back. You know who should get zero is Dak. You should be let Dak get zero. zero. Yeah. zero that picks. should be the goal for interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Zero uh, – Super Bowls. I'm just. NFC I think the biggest dub for the Cowboys was not signing Odell Beckham. I think that was smart. Do I, you? Think, I like Brandon Cooks better. He than gives Odell. me. He, o, OBJ gives me some vibes. I don't, I don't like OBJ. But yeah. If we had signed I OBJ, mean, he'd be having a little fight with Micah over number zero right now. 
Probably. I mean, OBJ is – I can't stand that guy, man. He's just a, such a yeah. diva. So, if anything gives a dub there is – do, it does suck. You, I mean, Noah Brown, gone. I do feel bad we lose Dalton Schultz. There's now rumors that Dallas is, is going to draft a tight end in the first round, which I would not want to do that. I know the you draft for – Peyton t- Hendershot back there? Yeah, Peyton Hendershot, Jake Ferguson, the two young guys. They seemed pretty effective last year. Learned from Dalton Schultz. I know the tight end draft is kind of good this year, but I don't, it is. I don't see people – I mean, if, if they drafted a tight end, sure – but I think Dallas is probably going to go best available player at their position because they're kind of in a good spot currently. I think defense doesn't need too much help besides you know interior alignment and same with off- offensive line. You really just need depth at that point. So are you y'all, looking at a receiver maybe? Yeah, y'all are fixing to get like a Jason Witten Jr. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Meyer. Whoever, man. Yeah. If it's a tight end, if it's a dynamic tight end that could ha- that could be a receiver kind of type as well, I'd take it. Would you want uh, a guy who could come in and be like the wide receiver three in his rookie year? Like drafting a straight up wide receiver, yeah. I mean, maybe because it all come, it all depends. Because Michael Gallup would be Dallas's number three currently. Depends on how he comes back. Obviously, had the ACL injury year and a half ago was kind of limited. Bum juice last year. He right? was he was Bum limited juice. by it last year. The thought from Dallas a lot of the, the last season and this off season is that he'll come back more prepared off the ACL this year and he can be back to one hundred percent like he was in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one before he got injured. We don't know how that's going to pan out, though. So it could be safe for Dallas to draft a receiver to be the number three, potentially. Uh, I don't know who's going to be available once they get there. Obviously, Njigba is going to be gone, we think. Yeah. Uh, if Zay Flowers or anyone like that's going to be there. You get you a Quentin Johnson. He's Quentin six Johnson, five. yeah. Would probably still be available at 26 is what Dallas yeah. has. I can't think exactly, but yeah, it'd be cool. I don't know. I think they'll just take best available player. That's kind of how Dallas has been working the last few years. It is what it is. Liam your loser of the of this NFL free agency so far. We'll go through these, and we'll be out of here. So... I have these team, these four teams, just because they're all in limbo. They haven't really done anything. Ravens, Raiders, Falcons, Packers, and then my big loser is the Eagles. They lost a lot. They, 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 lose a they lot. lost Miles Sanders, who was over a thousand yards this year. Uh, I mean, they re-signed Art, Eric Armstead, and they had they ended up getting Slay back. But they've lost a lot of other. I mean, I think they've got three of their defensive linemen gone. Didn't they lose? Gardner Johnson. As yeah, well. and they lost C.J. Gardner Johnson <laughs> to the Lions. So yeah. to an NFC contender. Yeah, I mean, less. to me, they go from like you know, I mean, they're going to be they good. They have high draft picks, though. Yeah, don't they? yeah, they're going to be they're going to be good still, but they're not. To me, their ceilings not quite as high as what I, we I said it was right after the Super Bowl. Now, do you think what if they go and get in like Bijan? I think they've upgraded at running back. If they go out and get maybe, him. I mean, yeah, but Miles Sanders was like seventh, eighth best running back in the NFL this year. Yeah, but he played behind the best O-line in the league, though, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they've kept most of those pieces, I believe. So Mm -hmm. They did. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. It's just like I would have thought you would have built on what you already had instead of kind of doing some shifting. If they get Bijan, I'm 100% drafting him number one in fantasy. That dude is going to go crazy. First of all, he's got fresh legs. And he's going into a, the best O-line in the league with a rushing quarterback as well. Mm-hmm. Dude, he is going to go insane. Like, don't don't like, tell the secrets to the world. Kind of like Chris, a Zeke. Because now if we, we do a league, I know who I'm picking first Like Zeke 2016 first. fantasy. Yeah. I, always, I always pick someone stupid I've been, first. I've called it for my first overall pick two years in a row. I had Jonathan Taylor in 21, Justin Jefferson last year. I'll figure out who that pick is. For me, is it's been year. like Tay Adams three years in a row. <laughs> 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 I've gotten the number one guy, but number one running back, number one uh, wide receiver. We'll see who blows up this Dude, year. I'm telling you, it could be, goes, I think Bijan goes smart. to Philly. He he's gonna be the number one running. I had back. such a great fantasy team last year with Brees Hall. Once that went away, 
that's that the only problem, man. Injuries are so common me. now. God, that killed you know? me. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Who's your loser, Chris? Oof, loser. Vikings are also. I did say low. the Pats. They suck because they were bad going into free agency, and I still feel like they're just as bad leaving free agency. I mean, yeah. They suck. I mean, like I said, I said this when we did our, you know, kind of wild predictions. Bill Belichick is going to retire after this year, or at least leave the Patriots, just because they are going to be just terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they don't get Lamar. There's going to be no bright spot, no playmakers, nothing on that offense. Nothing. To make anything happen. And look at who they got to play against. Tyreek and Jalen Waddle and Tua with the Dolphins. And they just got Ramsey. And uh-huh. they have, like, who is it they have? Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard, still? yeah. yeah. Elite-level corner duos. You got the Buffalo Bills, who they're great every year with Josh Allen and Diggs. And they got to deal with the Jets, who, if they get Aaron Rodgers, are going to be lethal as well. They're going to lose at least, they play them, what, six times total? They'll lose at least four or five of those matchups playing those teams this season. Mm-hmm. So that's guaranteed five losses you're looking at right there. And I don't see them beating anybody else. They're trash, man. Yeah. So I don't – there's nothing for me to believe that the Patriots did anything to go into next season happy about it. And another one is the Commanders. Yeah. They nothing, did. Nothing, nothing special they at all. They did yeah. nothing. And you got Sam Howell as your guy going into next year. Uh, there's Sam a, freaking so, Howell. Yeah, there's and like, Jacoby Brissett. Don't – Dude, don't put don't this on my man now. Start. There's, there's teams. He'll be the starter. At yeah, one point teams are year. either like you know making good moves, you know, trying to do positive things, or there's mm-hmm. teams that are just like, there's like six teams trying to tank or something. Dude, pray, yeah. please. Let's say a prayer for Ta- Terry McLaurin. I mean, for what that dude's dealt with in his entire career in the NFL so far, at quarterback yeah. is a disgrace. <laughs> I mean, this guy is, he's a, he's arguably an elite level receiver. Yeah, with not the, arguably. Yeah, he's yeah. top twelve at least, top fifteen, I think. Exactly, and look at the quarterbacks he's had funnel through there. He's had the goat for like two years, but that's only <laughs> Dwayne Haskins be before that. Yeah. Dwayne Haskins, Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, and Kyle Allen, I think, was there for yep. a period yeah. of time. Sam Howell, Sam Howell. Dude, it's horrible. And the fact that this dude's putting out thousand yard season after thousand yard season, it's just phenomenal. Taylor Heineke can throw football. Oh my god, he's, go, he's going to be the backup for the Falcons who are starting Desmond Ritter. Where did he go? Where did he go? Like was it six. was it Old Dominion? You went to school at? Yeah, yeah. Monarchs, baby. Yeah, that's why I got a pin it up in my room. Sun belt, fun belt. Yeah. Now, now, back back, back then, when he was there, yeah, he was like then. in the CAA or something. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. wanted Terry to go to the Green Bay Packers last year so bad. Yeah. So bad. And then if there's, he'd if be in limbo again. If there was ever a receiver, yeah, but at least last year it would have been different. If there was ever a receiver to turn into a diva, it, he deserves it. You know, he, he's not because I think he's smart enough. But. That's because he's a bass fisher. He is. Yeah. <laughs> Terry's a great guy. I love yeah. Terry McLaurin, yeah. and not just because he went to Ohio State, but because of everything that he's done, like in the NFL since. His stuff that I like, you know, that he likes to fish. Mm-hmm. He hangs out with uh, all kinds of people, just normal people. Mm-hmm. Just he seems like a normal guy. Yeah, yeah. For my loser in free agency. We kind of touched on it kind of already, but I'd say it's the Baltimore Ravens. Done absolutely nothing besides... Dude, they picked up Nelson Aguilar. You picked up That's Nelson Aguilar. That's the best signing uh, probably in history. Yeah, you pick One up him, year for you six piss and off your million. quarterback, and you do nothing else. Calais Campbell gone. Yeah. They had Josh Oliver, who was their, you know, well, tight end, gone. Ben Powers, gone. They, Tristan Collins. Taking gone. off Lamar isn't that big of a deal because he's been doing that for the last three seasons. Yeah. Hey, 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 you re-signed Justice Hill, though. You know who that is. I do. He's like a third string running back. Yeah. I'm hoping that the Ravens trade up into the first, like high up into the first, and get Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. AR 15. That would be sick. 
Yeah. He would be, but he would do well out there. Maybe. Marcus Peters is still a free agent. Yeah, he's old and so trash now. You can still get Jason Pierre-Paul and Sammy Watkins. Not club hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's like uh, and Kenyon Drake. These are all their and Kyle, Sammy, and Kyle Fuller. Didn't yeah, Sammy already play for the Baltimore? Yeah, he did. Those first three are no, like these, a who's these are, who these are guys who you don't want Ravens on your team. Oh, yeah, these are current Ravens free agents. Oh, Christian Welts, uh, Kenyon Drake, Kyle Fuller, Jawan James. Marcus Peters, Pierre Paul, Demarcus Sounds like Robinson, mid tier dudes, Sammy Watkins, bunch of washed up yeah. folks. Yeah, those first like Marcus Peters, Pierre Paul, and Sammy Watkins are. I wouldn't sign those on my Dude, CFL team. Well, Sammy 2015 Watkins has maybe. never been good. No, no. I don't think he's ever really been good. No, he's been a wide receiver three. That's he was supposed to be really good coming out of Clemson. He was he torched Ohio State, yeah. and I was like, oh man, this guy's gonna be good. Goes to the NFL, <laughs> dropped him in fantasy. <laughs> Trash. Nice. Doesn't oh, deliver well. at all. Every time I draft somebody on fantasy, trash. He's good at delivering. Garbage. Uh, is about um. Well, draft Dak. Little Caesars. Yeah. Draft Dak. Yeah, if you believe in it. Nah, <laughs> dude. He he's trash without <laughs> me drafting him. I can't imagine what he'd be like if I did draft him. Though for thirty picks. My dad man. drafts him every year, so that's probably why we can't do anything about it. I only drafted him his rookie season. The only way I'd pick up Dak is if. Both my quarterbacks were hurt, and that's the only option I had. He was playing the worst team in the NFL. I'm going to draft Trevor this year. Are you? Yeah. That's probably a good pick. He was my starter last year for like half the year because whoever I had was hurt. So I'm going to go after Mahomes because you know he's going to put up at least 25 every game. I don't even remember who my quarterback was this past year. I, I had Herbert and someone else. I think I had oh, Joe Burr. Yeah, Joe I had Christ. somebody that was hurt really quickly. I can't remember who it was. Oh, I you know who I drafted? I drafted Trey Lance. That's who I was. That's who I drafted. <laughs> In one of my leagues, I drafted. The one I'm thinking of, I drafted. Drew Even Lions. if he was healthy, like, what were you on? I waited way too late for a quarterback. Yeah, man. You got can't wait that late. 32 team league. You get freaking yeah. the 32nd quarterback. That was a 12 team. Here, you want to know a fun fact? Huh? Here we go. My first year ever of doing fantasy football. You know what my first pick was? <laughs> ever. Yeah. I can tell you who mine was, too. I can tell you who mine was, too. Go for it. Who was it. yours? Yeah. Megatron. Mine was, I had the second pick. And I picked Allen Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> when he was on the Jags? Yeah. Nice. Oh, it was my first pick. It was a running, it had to have been a running back. You know, it was probably 2016. What would have been a running back you would have drafted? I can think of it. Oh, it's, I'm going to tell know, you something even funnier. What? Who's, who do you think my second pick was? No. Immediately know. after Megatron, Matt Stafford. You're cl- I mean, you're close with the position. Yeah, the position. Right? TB. No. No. Uh, it was probably someone bad because he's. There was someone of it. that was looked at as like decent at the time, but they ended up being really, really bad. Like Carson Palmer or something. I don't know. Cam Newton. Colin Kaepernick. Oh, <laughs> yikes. Yeah. He was someone, and then someone <laughs> typed in the draft, dude, Colin Kaepernick in the first round. What's going on? <laughs> I was like, oh. Kind of how some of my drafts were last year. Oh, well. Or second round. My yeah. bad. Yeah. Colin Kaepernick in the second round. Yikes. Terrible. That'll do it for number 99, episode 100 next week. So excited about that. Stay tuned for I'm all of that. I'm not going to be here. Shut up. I'm not. really not. Don't believe Chris. We'll confirm it. We'll make a breaking news on the, on the Instagram if you can't make it. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to make it. We'll see. We'll wait. Don't. You say, Liam. Dude, I got to refry my own beans. <laughs> I have nothing nice to say, so I won't say it's anything It's pretty important, yeah. I'm well, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Oh, yeah. All right. Episode 100. Stay tuned for that. We'll have some fun. There's bound to be a ton of news. It's looking like motorsports, NCAA, uh, 
Final four. Masters. Masters coming up. We'll One week a year we talk about golf. Yes, yeah. sir. We'll play some fun games, I think, next week as well, if we can find some time. Squeeze in for all that. So stay tuned for all of that. Follow us on the Instagram at OffTheBenchXLR. You can find quotes, video clips, and more posts there to follow the show. Again, that is at OffTheBenchXLR Instagram. Follow us there. Remember to subscribe to us on our podcasting network. You can find us on all major platforms. Podcasts are available, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen. Just look up Off The Bench, and you can find all episodes from the show from all four seasons. Again, that is at Off The Bench on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you else you listen. Tune in next week, Wednesday, 6 p.m., for the episode 100 of Off The Bench. Remember to stay in the game and off the bench, and have a good night.